This is the Internet's Worst Gaming Podcast. It's me, your boy, Loki Jarson. I'm embarrassed for doing that. And over there, it's your other boy, Joe Stizzy. Yeah, I'm, I'm embarrassed for you for doing that. Uh, well, everybody's embarrassed. You should be embarrassed listening to this, frankly. Uh, it's been a long time since we've done this. Yes, it has. But uh, not that long for me. If you heard the last episode, I was also there because I'm in every one of these because I do literally all of the work. It's about to be 2020, and at some point, probably November of 2020, we're going to have new consoles, a new Xbox currently named Scarlet. I'm sure it'll change that to like Xbox 2, and a new PlayStation console from Sony, which tentatively titled PlayStation 5. Yeah, uh, why mess with perfection? As far as PS5 goes. Whether or not we want these consoles, they are coming. So everyone's doing a lot of retrospective of games that have come over, come out uh, for these systems over the last decade or so. However, I cannot believe how long they've been out, really. Uh, Since it feels both... 2013, I think. That doesn't. It feels like... Why well, Mitch? Because we're older now. That feels like so long ago. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it kind of does. So that's what Susie and I are going to talk about today. The best... PlayStation 4 and Xbox One, and to a smaller degree, Nintendo Switch games, the best games of the console generation. Uh, a small caveat here, I, I am not allowing, because I make the rules, because I do, again, I do all the editing. Uh, I'm not allowing for remasters or remakes, but I am allowing for cross-gen, which means right off the bat, Last of Us is not going to be on this list, because it came out first on PS3. Uh, but some other ones are dual releases, which means they came out on PS3 and PS4 about the same time. Uh, I have one exactly, no two, I'm sorry, two uh, Xbox exclusives on here. Everything else is cross-gen, which really tells you about the Xbox library. I'm guessing I have most of the PlayStation exclusive. I mean, I have a handful of exclusives, yeah, but you know, like... Most of these are cross-generation. I keep saying cross-generation. Cross-platform. They're on both platforms. Yeah, they might be cross-generation. Also, this may or may not surprise... You know what? It won't surprise Tizzy at all, but it may surprise the listener. With the exception of the exclusives, which and two other releases, which I'll talk about when they when they come up. With the exception of the exclusive PlayStation game only games or Xbox only games and two other cross-platform games. I have played every single one of the games I'm about to talk about on both consoles. If only there was an, only if there was an of noise and audio for shaking my head because that's what I'm doing right at this moment. You're not terribly surprised. No, not. Nor should you be? Not but at here, all. Here's my justification for that. First of all, I didn't double buy all of them. There was a lot of rentals and some of them through Xbox Game Pass. I was wondering how we're going to fill the first hour. But. Realistically, I think we're going to talk about really great games. And for me, one of the hallmarks of a great game is a game you want to play over and over again. There are there are no there are no one-timer games in this list. Uh, so that's my justification for doing so. Yeah, that's um I have a similar yeah, hallmark for greatness in a video game. It's 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 one of those games and we're here to, you know, we're talking about generational games, and not all these games are equal. Uh, we didn't, we talked this off the uh, off the air, but we didn't rank these. But we're definitely, as we go through them, I would say 
probably going to go through, you know, the, I don't say lesser ones, but you know, you know, like the, you know, the, the some, of these, some of these games we'll spend 30 seconds on and some will spend 10 minutes. You know, it depends on how this goes up. Uh, just to clarify, I actually didn't end up ranking mine because I'm obsessed with lists. Um, do you remember the school? Did you ever go to like a book fair at your school? Oh yeah, every year. One time I bought a giant book that was literally just a book of lists. It was a scholastic big book of lists. It was just lists of everything. Nothing important. It's like who won the Super Bowl for the last 50 years, car manufacturers, just insignificant nonsense. But it was full of lists because I like making lists. I was always a sucker for the uh, Guinness Book of World Records. I'd always like to see if oh, yeah, those are cool. someone grew slightly longer fingernails than the, than the guy the year before. <laughs> all right, let's get started. I have what I like to call honorable mentions. These are all great games, but they're not... I think one time you said these are Hall of Famers, but they're not legends. That's a good way to put it. I like that. Uh, just real quick, I'm going to run through these. Middle Earth Shadow of Mordor. Uh, it basically uses the Batman combat system, I know, but it does it in a much more brutal and satisfying way because you just kill a fuckload of orcs in this game. It's and very satisfying. It's great. And it actually does get me to care a little bit, tiny bit, about the Tolkien universe, which I normally loathe. Yeah, it helps that they made up everything for the video games and they well, kind of yeah. retcon stuff, but yeah, it is fun. Uh, I'm going to put Mafia 3 up here. Um, it's not perfect. No, I don't think, honest to God, none of the games on these lists are, but we're not really looking for perfection. We're looking for great. I had a, a lot of fun playing Mafia 3. Um, I enjoyed a ton of the story. It had really well-written characters. It's a very adult game. Some of these games are going to seem like anybody can play, but some of these games you know, only a person who's played a lot of games could play. Uh, I've also got Rise of the Tomb Raider on here. I would have put the first one, but technically it came out on PS3 first. I don't think it was a it was a cross-platform thing or a cross-generation thing at the time. I did enjoy Shadow more, Shadow of the Tomb Raider, I should say. But I think Rise cements a good story with good mechanics. I know both you and Rob disagree with me on this, but I I, I think you know it's just one of those things that's difficult to explain about why you like a game is how it plays. It plays well, feels good to play. I didn't love the story or really the side characters, but mechanics, I'm with you. I mean, I thought it was it was fun to play. It was great to play. I, I think Shadow really steps up that story, but frankly steps back a little bit on the mechanics, which is why I didn't put it up here. Uh, Resident Evil 7 I put up here because it is truly unlike any other game in the series. Before or even indeed after. Uh, Resident Evil is one of the few franchises in video game history that manages to reinvent itself three or four times and is still going, is going to keep going for many more years. Yeah, it's it, it's amazing that not only can they, they reinvented the series multiple times, but each of those games, like Resident Evil 4 and Resident Evil 7, this generation, have been excellent games. They, they kicked down the doors very well. I'm kind of cheating with this next one, but not really, when because it'll be justified. Assassin's Creed 4 Black Flag. This, I'm pretty sure, was released on both generations at the same time. Yeah, it was really close. <laughs> I'll allow it. You, you'll allow it, because it's a great game, and oh, you love it. Oh, yeah, definitely. It's, I think, the best of the classic, quote-unquote, 
Assassin Creeds, Assassin's Creeds, before they uh, reboot the whole thing with Origins, which I'm actually going to talk about later. The only thing bad about Black Flag was the ship following missions that they just couldn't seem to get rid yeah, of from past the Assassin's Creed. Yeah, it was. Other than that, it was fantastic. Uh, I've got Resogun on here, which is a twin stick shooter in 3D. I can't really explain it very well unless you've actually seen it. But uh, Rob, our other longtime co-host on this, isn't available, so I thought I'd throw in a few that I know he likes. Um, Resogun is up there, very good. Titanfall 2 uh, is a lot of fun to play over like the last over the eight hours to ten hours the campaign takes, and that's really kind of it. The multiplayer is frustrating if you don't know what you're doing, but that's true of all multiplayer games. That's the other thing you're gonna in this list of mine. I don't think any of these are big multiplayer games. Um, yeah, I only have, I think, one. A couple, yeah. Yeah, a couple on here. The last one of my honorable mentions before we get to the real list, uh, Mass Effect Andromeda. Uh, anyone who doesn't like it is wrong and can suck a dick. I think that's pretty good. You know, I enjoyed it, and I I tried my best going up to that game because you heard all the noise from the internet, all the negativity. I fully acknowledge at launch it was very problematic. Yes, yes. But how many games Absolutely. how many games can you say that about these days? I mean it's just All of them. They literally all have name one patches. Yeah, I mean it's it's just kind of the way it is now. It's like they just not that you know, studios are releasing broken games, but they know, hey, you know what, if we don't get everything, that's fine, because we're just gonna be sitting here fixing stuff and patching things anyway so i think more, more to the point is they know that players are going to point these things out anyways so it's become you know maybe they'll find a flaw too they're going to find a flaw let's rely on them whether or not that's a good idea yeah that's what's happening yeah it's and it's it's almost impossible to get anything by anybody with the internet these days because it's just you know it used to be if you're the only way you hear about a glitch is like through a magazine. You find it yourself. Yeah, or find it yourself. Yeah, or a friend of yours played it and found it or something like that. And it's just like, oh, that's weird. <laughs> but now it's like, oh my God, look at this. It's literally <laughs> unplayable. And uh, we'll, that's the other thing. We're, we try to pick separate games, but we're going to agree with each other on a lot of these and have input for most of them. So, really, when I say top. 30 games, it's really... No, it is top 30, because I combined our two. Infamous Second Son. This was an early PS4 release game. And this is when I knew we were in the next gen, officially. Because the character model faces for Second Son are so good. And I say they're so good, because you can actually see marks on their faces. Far too often in video games, everyone has a very smooth face, and I understand why they do that. But it's not realistic. People got shit on their face. They got moles, and they got blemishes, and they got pimples, and they got hair. And I only ever saw that for the first time in Infamous Second Son. Yeah, it was very detailed. It's still, it is still a, a gorgeous-looking game. They really, and uh, Sucker Punch really pulled no punches with this one. Uh, yeah, good one. Um, yeah, the, <laughs> the, especially, like you said, it holds up very well. And the lighting and the particle effects in this game are still, oh, yeah. still top-notch. And I'll just, I mean, every now and then I'll just pop in that game just to look at it. You know, it's kind of weird to, kind of weird to say that it's, um, no, I get you. It's like a favorite painting of yours. You know, it's like, uh, 
just like just mar just want to marvel at it every now and then. And it's it's still it's it's still the best Flash game we've gotten so far, um, with one of the powers. Oh, I get you. The, yeah, the, sure, the, sure. the high For speed, which is my, the neon power, which is still my favorite. And it's just yeah, it was a that game was a ton of fun, and not many games in, uh, set in Seattle, uh, which I appreciated. That's true. West Coast. Mm-hmm. Go ahead, Susie. What's uh, what do you got? Okay, mine are not really honorable mentions, but you know, uh, we'll spend a whole lot on these. But um, sure, sure. Uh, you know, we were talking about Resident Evil reinventing the series and how it does that very well. And uh, but you know, sometimes you you want something nice and familiar. And uh, I put Dragon Quest Eleven on here, uh, which just came out this year. Um, and it it's just it's. It's just a really, really solid old school Japanese RPG, uh, turn-based combat and all that. I haven't, I didn't finish it. I'm going to someday, I swear. But that is a good point. It is, it feels old. I mean, I, I, that is, that's, that sounds like an insult, but it isn't. It feels like an older style of game made in this generation. Yeah, it's like a new, it's like a new paint job on one of your old classic cars. Yeah, kind of. And, uh, it's, it, I thought it was, it was just a lot of fun. It was like, it just kind of took me back in time and it was a simple story. You know, every, a lot of games and movies and TV shows, you know, there's, it seems like there's always like a social message or, you know, like deeper meaning. And like, I, I just, a lot of those things, I just don't feel like I'm smart enough for. So I really enjoy games like these are not, and I'm not, and I'm calling it brain dead or anything, but. It's like an old, comfortable pair of shoes, and I really enjoyed it. This is a good entry. We'll move on after this, but I think this is a good entry for someone's like first JRPG. It's like if you've never played a Japanese role-playing game before, Dragon Quest XI is a great start. Yes, because this is only the second Dragon Quest game I've ever played. Uh, I played eight first, and the only reason I got that is because it came with the demo of Final Fantasy XII. <laughs> but I really enjoyed that game too, and this is the only other one I've played besides that. And it's, it helps that it's like final fantasy where the stories aren't really connected with each other. Uh, yeah, there are slight references or whatever in some of them, but it's so negligible that it doesn't matter that you don't need prior knowledge. And it's a good jumping in point. Uh, speaking of lack of story. No, that's not fair to dragon quest. Speaking of no story destiny. We spent a long time when we first started doing the show, however the hell many years ago, which I don't like to think about, talking about Destiny. We played it a ton, and then there were periods where we didn't play it at all for months and months. And then there were periods where all we did was play it every weekend. Uh, Destiny, I think, deserves to be on games of the generation, but I definitely had a falling out with it, especially the sequel. But it has the MMO problem of once you get to the end, there's nothing else to do. Most games, when they end, it's over, and you know, of course, there's nothing to do. You beat the game. In pseudo MMOs like Destiny, once you're done, you're done. But it's still a ton of fun, and uh, you know, I have my issues with it. But I have my issues with every game. Yeah, it was it was fun, and it was. I, I was really surprised on how just ama amazing the combat. And how the guns yes. felt in that game, uh, for this for this type of game it was, and the style the MMO style they were going for, 
Uh, now the raids can bite one. That was horrible. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, that, that, you know that 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 follows the old MMO raid dungeon format where there's always you know bosses have certain phases and certain objectives you have to meet throughout the uh, fight in order to down them, but and like you know throwing a little platforming too and. Yeah, it's not for everybody, definitely. Um, but the pro- yeah, like you said, the problem is there's really not enough of those at the end game, and it's just kind of like, oh well, just kind of have to wait around for the next update or DLC or whatever. Uh, I'm gonna go with the next one because I again have more. Uh, Doom from id Software, the reboot essentially. They didn't call it that, but it just it went with the original title, so that's what I'm gonna call it. The Doom reboot from a couple years ago. There's another first-person shooter that just gets first-person shooters down to its basis level of you have a gun, here's a room full of people that want to kill you, kill them instead. Uh, It's got fantastic heavy metal music, which is something I never say. Uh, It flows very well. It's a very fast-paced game. There are a few sections where you're just doing, like, shitty platforming puzzles, but that's a holdover from the genre from, like, the 90s when Doom was good. Um... there's the story is so inconsequential it's not even worth thinking about it doesn't matter they give you guns and they says go kill all these demons on hell mars and you do it and it's just it's visceral fun yeah it's uh it <laughs> that's exactly right it's um the soundtrack especially i think uh, mick gordon really nailed it out of the park and i'm not <laughs> it takes a lot for me to look up who took you know who was in charge of a score for a video <laughs> game because usually usually just background but it just it just elevated every single fight in that game and every you know most fights on game just felt like your hardest fight up to that point you know it was just like and it was so satisfying just going yeah, around and when you and when you cleared the area the music stopped which was another good cue to tell you okay you're done you can take a break yeah usually on a sick little fading guitar rift um yeah it was and it was just so much fun just going around just blasting demons with all these just ridiculous weapons more each one more high power than the last and uh just ripping them apart and it, it was just yeah it was it was good good clean fps fun just didn't even try didn't even try to you know shoehorn in a coherent story or anything <laughs> All right, go on. Okay, my next one. Another RPG. And I debated putting this on the list, but I felt like I had to because, as far as I know, it's the only entry in this long-running franchise uh, of this current generation that is Final Fantasy XV. And I really, really enjoyed it, uh, for the most part, I think. Uh, characters were good. Story was pretty good. Um, it had a lot of, there was a lot of missed opportunities for building up the world. And, uh, I said that weird. Um, and there were certain, certain lore bits that I wish kind of were added in, but, um, it had the, it, it, it emulated the kingdom hearts style of combat where it's very free flowing and hectic. Um, but I think in, you know, 15, you just kind of hold the button and if sometimes it felt a little like you're an autopilot, but it was still, um, 
I mean, it was still spectacular, spectacular just to watch because graphics were amazing in this game as well. And technically, it was a a very sound game. Uh, I never ran into any glitches in my playthrough, um, and no, no really uh, stable issues any uh, either as far as uh, frames per second because uh, it had these huge summons that would just take up the entire screen, and they were basically like mini-cinematics uh, when you're out fighting in what in, in the world, and uh, no real slowdown either, so it was, uh, you know, it was just a very, very well-made game, and uh, I really enjoyed it, and it was, it's, it's not the best Final Fantasy in the series. I mean, there's several that I would rank higher than it, but... Well, let's not have that fight today. Um... No, it's not with this. Yeah, uh, but it was still very good, and I, I enjoyed it, and I, I, I don't know. I, I wouldn't. I, I didn't feel obligated to put it on the list, even though it is the only Final Fantasy this generation. Still great. I put Transistor on here. I only this is this one probably could have gone in honorable mentions. In all honesty, um, I put it on there because of Rob, kinda. Although I really enjoyed it. It's either super giant or super massive. I think it's super giant games. I don't do research. Uh, from the people who made Bastion, which I did not like at all, so I was fully expecting to not like Transistor. But once you get a hold of the strange battle mechanics, and I did really like the kind of very somber, almost depressing storyline they put in with this uh, cyber pseudo cyberpunky post-apocalyptic world. It's very it, after after playing after finishing it, I felt very sad. I was like, "Oh man, darn!" And getting a game to make me feel an emotion is so important to me. You have no idea, unless you force it in. See the last podcast for the reasons I hate that. Yeah, that's a hard thing to balance and uh, to get a strike because getting an emotional connection with a game makes it memorable in a lot of ways. And I have, I think you'll agree with, you know, games on your list, games on my list, I have an emotional connection to as well. Absolutely, a lot of them. Especially the tops the tops of the lists here. Uh, real quick, I'm double up again. The only, I looked and I checked and I tried to find it, okay? This is the only Xbox One and PC exclusive I have on here. It's Forza Horizon 3. It's the only racing game I have on here. Uh... This, I think, is the most fun I've ever had in a racing game. It takes place in Australia, so there's a lot of wide-open country with varied environments. The cars are amazing. It is just plain fun to drive from point A to point B. It's the kind of fun you don't get in the mainline Forza Motorsport series. And frankly, it's the kind of fun I, I found lacking in Forza Horizon 4. It takes place entirely in dreary England, even though they have the seasons rotating. It just didn't feel as free and fun. Part of the reason I really love racing games is just the feeling of speed and freedom mixed together. And it's mixed together in a fun atmosphere with lots of radio stations and lots of varieties of music. Forza Horizon 3, my favorite racing game of this entire generation. Yeah, I'm not I'm not too familiar with the Forza series. I've never played any of them. But uh, they do seem to be the marquee racing games Yes. Uh, for the last several years. Um, they seem to have taken the crown and, uh, there, there must be a reason why they're still exclusive to Xbox. Um, they're obviously it's the series is a big draw for a lot of people. 
was it? Oh, sorry. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> my turn. It's been a while. Sorry, folks. Uh, next game I have on here is a uh, indie game. I think might be the only one on here. Uh, I have two. Um, Firewatch, and I don't know if you played this or Rob played this. Um, I did not. I think Rob may have, but I don't know. It's been a while since we talked. Um, yeah, Firewatch was uh, talking about emotional connections. Uh, I felt very, very connected to the characters in this game. This is this is a first person exploration game. Yes, yes, and it's a uh, you. Uh, I'm not going to talk about everything in the game, but you basically sure, sure, sure. take you know take control of a guy who's had a hard time in his life, and he's just trying to you know he trying to get away gets a job as a park ranger for a park and strikes up a friendship with a, uh, another ranger who kind of sits in a radio tower or whatever, directing things. And, um, I never would have thought I felt a connection to a character I couldn't see. But th- <laughs> and this is the first game I've ever felt connected to the, just the friendship and like, I don't know, like, little hints of romance and I, I always felt bad because I uh, at the end of the game I kind of chose to I wanted to like leave the MC, the main character's wife and then hook up with the bark ranger girl but uh, that was pretty awful but considering you don't even know what she looks like that's a bold move <laughs> it was very yes it was very bold but I think I, I think that just speaks volumes to the uh, just the excellent characterization and development of this character and, and the main, and the relationship with the main character. And, uh, it's cause it's very, uh, cause it's very lonely game and you feel like the main character, you know, he's was seeking that solitude and trying to get away from human interaction. But, you know, he strikes up this friendship with this, this, uh, fellow ranger and, uh, you know, kind of cliche to sound, but he kind of, you know, remembers you know what's important in life and you know you know be you know being alone you know go and find some you know, me time is very important but i think interacting with people i've always felt that being around others is also good for your soul uh and it it, it can help you heal which is what the character in this game is and i, I i've really felt the connection and it was it's a lot of it was it was, I, I know one of our criteria in this list, I don't mean, it's not set in stone or anything, is games we've played multiple times. I have actually never gone back and played Firewatch, and that's not because I didn't like it. I really, really liked it. It's just, it, it I, I get, I got so drawn in the first time. <laughs> it's not going to be the same the second, no matter what. Yeah, it's like, it's, you know, you know, it's not going to, feel the same and it's just you know it's also kind of draining in a lot of aspects oh yeah absolutely so, so but top notch not a huge fan of most times of indie games but this one was great uh another game that tried to forge an emotional connection it didn't really hit with me but it did hit with a lot of people over the internet uh near automata this is a game where you play as a robot and mostly what you do is fight other robots it's from Platinum, who made all those, you know, the Bayonettas and the Bazooka Joes. What was that? The Joe game? Beautiful, beautiful Joe. Beautiful Joe. Yeah. I don't want to say Bazooka Joe. Anyways, so 
the story is not too much to speak of. It does take a very long time. It's got a lot of pseudo RPG elements, but mostly it's just plain fun to fight. The fighting mechanics in this action style game are very, very solid. And uh, it does go to some interesting places when, when I'm going to spoil the whole game end here for you, but there are no humans left. So you slowly discover that as a robot, you're kind of preserving the future of humanity, only to near the end find out there are no more humans, and robots are basically it. Androids, they call them. Sounds like something we w- should have been uh, informed on early on as the robots. <laughs> no, they have no idea. They don't know about that. They're Basically, it's like preserving a lie, and that's part of the story is that you uncover a lie that you've been unknowingly preserving throughout the game. So what you're saying is, it's Wally. I'll take your word for it, I've never seen it. Uh, I'm not going to. What's your next game? My next game is, I want to say it was one of the first, if not the first, games, along with Infamous, Second Son, to uh, come out for PlayStation. It's also an exclusive. The Order is 1886. Yes. And I did not play this game right away i played it for the first time you took like three years uh i think i i played it for the first time and beat it for the first time last year okay four years there was uh, the only thing i remember about this game was the just Kind of the, I don't know what to say, outrage is too strong, but, you know, complaint a lot of people have when it first came out. They didn't feel like it was worth 60 bucks. It was and, a very short game. It, yes, it was. And I kind of understand their point of view because it's very short. It's like four, maybe you can stretch it out to six hours. Um, <laughs> but I thought it was one of the more cinematic games ever played. Um, <laughs> I know I'm probably going to make a lot of enemies with this statement, but I think you can kind of compare it to the last of us in that regard. Uh, as far as games, you, if you, if somebody didn't think video games were art and you wanted a game to prove it to them, I think you could give this game or the last of us or something, you know, those, you know, like these are, it's like, this is like a playable movie. If I can give you a slightly better way to put that. So you don't make Rob upset. There's times when you can tell story during gameplay and times you have to tell story during cutscene. Yeah, yeah, that's a, that's a good way to put it. Because um, this game, it's 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 almost feels like story all throughout. You know, there's very little fat, so to speak. You know, there's not... It's extremely linear. It might be the most linear game I've ever played. Um, and I honestly, I like the characters and I, I like the lore. It was... Set yeah. as kind of a steampunk London in the uh, late 19th century, but they uh, had guns. They had these really super power, high powered air guns or whatever, and they had they had werewolves and they had vampires. And I eat that shit up. It's a guilty pleasure of mine. Um, it's a damned shame that we've got no nothing from them since. Yeah, yeah, no, it it really is. I would have really uh, loved to see a follow up to this to the series uh, or just anything from that, from that studio. And I, the name escapes me at the it's moment. It's ready at dawn. I know they've done something since, but I can't tell you what it is. That's right. Yeah. I, don't, I don't do research. Yeah. I think you're right. They have done something, but we're very ill-prepared uh, in the show. <laughs> it took all night to come up with this list. Yeah. I have no idea. Yeah. But that's why you love us, you know? 
Um, but yeah, that was it was like playing a movie, and it, I thought it was a lot of fun, and it was the best five bucks I ever spent. I wholeheartedly agree. Order eighteen eighty six was great. I should not have spent fifty bucks on it. Yeah, yeah, I could kind of see little <laughs> little buyers buyers regret if you spent that much on it. Uh, another another game on my big list for Rob here, Batman Arkham Knight. Uh, I do actually think, you know, we complained about this quite a bit way back when in other old shows, but I do honestly think this is the best of the Batman Arkham series that Rocksteady did. I do think it has the most compelling and interesting storyline. I think it has the tightest gameplay. Yes, the Batmobile stuff is annoying. There's no getting around that. They put way too much car puzzles in Arkham Knight. But despite all that, it's still a fuckload of fun to play. It is, it's so rare in a superhero game to actually feel like you're controlling the real deal superhero. And this Batman game is as close as I've ever come to it in any superhero game. It's not my favorite superhero game ever, but it is absolutely, in my opinion, the best superhero game of the generation. Yeah, I, 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 I don't think it's the best in the Arkham series, but it's all, it's, that's, I mean, that's like saying this you know, diamond is a little bit, you know, I like this diamond a little bit more than that other diamond. Uh, it's great. This is a conflict diamond, so I can't legally wear it. <laughs> it's right. This was mine from uh, one of those blood mines, whatever they call it. Yeah. And, uh, but it definitely is the tightest in the gameplay, and you nailed it. You just, you feel like Batman. You just feel like this badass predator of the night just stalking the criminal scum and underbelly of Gotham and even the villains uh, feel authentic and feel like a threat to him. And it's fantastic. And it's, it's got several good twists in it as well uh, that just, that just add on to it. And it's, it's, it's amazing. It was the only Batman Arkham game in this generation. And you could tell it, it they took their time to polish this yeah, game. They put a lot of work in it. Even though it takes place entirely at night in the rain, it's still gorgeous. Yeah. Jack Bauer has nothing on, on Batman's efficiency as far as neutralizing threats in, in one night. Okay, uh, I got the next one, and I'm kind of cheating on this, and I, I hope you, I hope you won't. I have a cheat later, so it's okay. <laughs> okay, well they'll they'll cancel each other out. I do have a remake on here, uh, but I think it's probably one of the most well done remakes I've ever played, if not the best, and that is Resident Evil Two. And you might be here in this game. If we ever do a game of the year 2019, you might be hearing this game again because uh, RE2 is phenomenal. It is, it's like, they just, if you told me they were going to remake Resident Evil 2, I probably, in the asked me to make a list, they would have checked everything off that list and then added, you know, a dozen other things that I didn't know I needed in a, <laughs> in a remake of Resident Evil 2. It absolutely nails the feeling of the original, which I think is the most important thing in a remake. You know, you just like, cause otherwise what's the point if you're not going to get that exact same feeling and just feel like you're right that you're right back there where you were as a child playing the original 
when you were 11, I assume, playing this? Yeah, I might have been a little younger, but I was definitely playing it before I should have been. Um, <laughs> and that's still one of my, probably my favorite Resident Evil game in the series. And this game did absolute justice to it in every single, every single regard. Uh, if we do an end of the year, which in all honesty probably will be our next show, uh, you'll hear my thoughts on Resident Evil 2, but I understand exactly why you put her on there. Um, and now for one I'm not too keen on to one you're not too keen on, Horizon Zero Dawn. Uh, this is the game where you play the lady with the long weird red hair and you hunt robots in the far future. It's so far ahead in the future that we've gone back to caveman times. Um, I do have a major problem with the background story of how the game gets to that point in the lore, but actually playing it and hunting down these giant robot monsters is very satisfying. It's a beautiful looking game. Uh, I actually, even though I was very negative towards her at the beginning, uh, Aloy, the main character, I really came to like her a whole lot mostly because of how dismissive she was about the world around her, which made me really relate to her, seriously. Because she was because they'd come up to someone with some dumb lore about worshipping a robot machine computer, and Aloy would be so dismissive, it's like, your religion is so stupid. And I was like, yeah, it is! That's a great... That's a great way to put it. Yeah, I, uh... I'm not gonna fight you too much on this, because I think the things we like uh, a like about it, I, I definitely agree because it is one of the most unique games ever played as far as settings and uh, enemy type. The uh, the dinosaurs are that's what I call them. You know, the, the robot dinosaurs, big, big robot dinosaurs, are just I mean they're so incredibly detailed and uh, they're one of the it's one of the few games where the enemies are a huge part of the world. Um, it's not just, you know, like, you know, just random bandits or whatever, just place here. It's, it's, it, you know what they're like? I compare them to like the dragons of Skyrim where it's just like, they feel like the landscape and sure, it's, that makes sense. you know, every encounter with them, uh, just feels unique. And especially when you open up your arsenal. And if you told me before this game, if you could, if you could center, you know, if you could revolve the entire gameplay around a bow and arrow, uh, I would have immediately just thrown it right in the trash and just not given it a chance, but it, they made it work. And it, there were a ton of options, uh, available from the start and you just kept adding it to it, uh, when you kept playing the game and it's, it, it's it, it, graphically, it's amazing too, because it's, it's one of the few games where, there were times where I just had to stop and just look around and I'm not one for photo mode. I think it's great that a lot of games are adding it, but it was one of the few games I actually used photo mode in. Cause it's like, man, I gotta, I gotta capture this moment. It looks amazing. And I don't know. I kind of, I, I kind of rag a little bit on Aloy a little bit um, because it's it's like she's supposed to be this incredibly naive character, but also this this savvy, you know, world worldly sage. I I, whatever, I prefer you know? I prefer dismissive. It's it's one thing to say I don't know how things work, like Harry Potter. It's another thing to be that's how things work. Dumb. 
Yeah, yeah. I just didn't know if she had really gained enough experience experience in like the two acres she grew up in to really <laughs> act that way. But hey, that's an arg- fair, argument for another fair. argument for another. Anyways, day. Let's but have I that really argument. let's. I just want to say offline. I really liked her design. I I. I, I don't know if you like the crazy red hair, but I love red. I, I love red hair girls. I just, I'm not going to lie. And I think she, her design is absolutely amazing. It's just a lot of hair. What's your next game? Uh, next game. And this is going to be my one and only switch game, uh, because I don't have a lot of switch games. And while I like them all, I feel like I had to add this one in because it was, advertised as a console seller and I think it succeeded in that regard that is The Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild and uh, very few games have such an apt description because this was this felt like a breath of fresh air for the franchise Um, because I had not played a Zelda game in a long time Probably since they're ba- they're basically all the same up until this one. In all honesty, they are they are. We're gonna piss off a lot of people, but I eh. I, I love the games, the ones I played, and I love the franchise. But yes, there is a certain formula, and I think it got kind of got stale, and even the hardcore fans kind of admitted that. But this was a totally op- open world Zelda, which I just couldn't even imagine uh, during the N sixty four and GameCube era that uh, Zelda game could go open world and um, just have one of the just one of the few worlds it it felt very Elder Scrolls like where it felt like Link there was always something to interact with and explore and find and, and there's like again another cliche it just felt like there was something knew every time you turned on the console and booted up the game. And in that's in open world game, that is key for me. I I I I need to feel like this world is a lived in world. It It goes has, on without you. Yeah, whether it, or not you interact with it. Yeah, and there there's so much to see, so much to do, uh so much story that's not told in words that you just find out in the environment and just, and then this game adds on to it because it has crazy magnetic, you know, mechanics, you know, with like these, these tools you can get to uh, also, you know, just interact with boulders or, you know, climb walls, climb cliff and just do all these. And, it takes away the major dungeon designs. There are big dungeons, but it has a lot of other mini dungeons. And uh, I liked... They were all very unique. Um, some of them had, you know, similar gimmicks, but they... they I, it was impressive how they could make all these little mini dungeons. Uh, not... You know, some of them only took, like, five, six minutes or something like that. But uh, there was always uh, something new to find in this game. And I, I, I think that's, I think that's its strongest point. From the peak of one franchise to another, uh, 
Far Cry 4. There were like four Far Cry games. I think this was also a cross-generation. Four Far Cry games to come out on this console cycle. And I've enjoyed them all to varying degrees, but four, I think, is really where it hit its formulaic peak, where they managed to cram enough first-person shooting, exploration, open-world action in it without it becoming too pinpointy. To where you're just, okay, I know I, all these games kind of have a similar formula. Where you go to a place, you liberate it, this opens up it, new areas for you to go over there and liberate. But it was its most tight and most satisfying in Far Cry 4, because after this they start getting really weird with it, frankly. It was also the last Far Cry game to have a, a main character that meant it, that even had you know a personality, which is important to me. Yeah, it was... Um, uh, like you said, I, I think you nailed it very well. Yeah, it felt like they had just uh, taken what they had learned and put in Far Cry 3 and just perfected with 4. Um, it had a, I think it had a very good villain. Uh, it, it has a lot of personality in, in most of the characters. Yes. Yeah. That's a very good one. Yeah. It's, it's one of the few games where the main character is the least interesting of the characters you meet, <laughs> uh, at least in my opinion, but, uh, I understand. I understand. But, uh, yeah, Far Cry, I, I, I always, it's a very different kind of open world because it, it feels like a, it, it it's feel like an open world call of duty game you know it has that same extremely tight mechanics and uh first person action but uh you know has all these you know vehicles you can also explore the world in and uh just go around blowing up shit or uh just you know climbing on top of towers or cliffs or whatever and it uh yeah, it, it it was always it was always a blast to explore in that game. That was probably the best. The part. One of the original taglines when they released the game was "Every second is a story." And well, that's a little ambitious. They came pretty close. I'd say like every ten seconds was a story. Yeah, yeah, it was um, like any good open world. It, it 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 you know felt like there was you know always something to do around every every corner and uh it had it, it was another very it was a very beautiful game uh set in india and uh it was a lot of it, it was very interesting uh learned a little more about the culture it's the peak of the franchise let's be real here because the subsequent games are we'll hear about more about that later in 2019's best of yeah. i still think i favor three over four just because i think the story and villain is a little better in three, but four yeah. is four is extremely good. All right. So what's your next game? My next game is a, uh, going into the fighting genre. It's the only one on here. Um, and, I knew I was only going to put one fighting game, and I knew I was only going to put one game in the same uh, franchise because it's the only really f fighting game franchise I play now. Uh, <laughs> but I decided on Mortal Kombat 11 um, because uh, this is another series that kind of reinvented itself, or I guess I guess you could more at it more appropriate to say it went back to their roots in the 2D fighting style. Uh, just for the 3D graphics, 
and with that was with Mortal Kombat 2011. Everybody calls it MK9, and then two years ago, I believe 2015, MKX MK10 came out, and that was really good. Uh, but it was still it had that it was still very frantic, very fast combat, mm. which was good. Um, and I like the characters, I like the fighters they selected for the game. Uh, story was okay, but uh, and graphically it wasn't the best, and that's been a real big stickler for Nether Realms. But uh, I think this is this is another game you're going to hear a lot about next show in the end of 2019. <clears throat> yeah, yeah, because. Uh, there are certain microtransaction choices that this game makes, and also with uh, online features that this game implemented that uh, neither Loki nor I are the biggest fans of, but uh, I wanted to strip all that away and just focus on the core fighting fighting game genre. The, like, what we have, like, what you're actually playing... In MK11 is phenomenal. It's a much slower game than previous entries, and it does take some getting used to. But once you do, it is the most visceral Mortal Kombat I've ever seen. And not just from a fatality standpoint, but just, you know, most hits, most combos, just feels like you're just beating the snot out of your opponent and it just it feels so impactful and so satisfying it's weird to say realistic but that's the closest word you can come up with yeah it's so realistic that some of the fatalities kind of make me uncomfortable um (laughs) uh but luckily a lot of them are so over the top that it's just kind of comical at the same time but uh graphically it looks amazing too um i just I, i i'm always interested in this i've always wanted to see the process of uh, how they design just the guts and innards of all these <laughs> characters. Like, man, these get so detailed. Just more detail than you re- really want. Or need, uh, really. Yeah. And uh, finally, Netherrealm has seemed to manage to make some really nice-looking face models. Um, <laughs> like, everybody in this game... I, I, Looks I don't like think, a human being. Yes, I, I don't think I dislike a face model in this game. The only one I don't like is one where it's not even like, it's not a graphic issue. It's just, I don't like the, you know, the look of this face model's face, you know, which sounds worse, (laughs) but, uh, you know, but I think, you know, from a designer standpoint, I think they, uh, have really, you know, really done an excellent job with this game. And, um, the story's garbage. Um, again, we'll get to that in the next episode. That sounds like a, that sounds like, a really big negative for a generational game list, but for the uh, actual fighting, the fighting mechanics are as good as they've ever been. Yeah. Be- yes. Better than they've ever been. Exactly. Yeah. It's, it's, um, it, 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 there's a reason in that this game has been catapulted into the fighting tournaments. And it's, I want to say, it, I don't know if it's quite street fighter level. Uh, probably not. Uh, I, I, I'm not as familiar with that area as I would like to be. But um, it's it's amazing that in just a couple of entries in a in a franchise that it's become such a big player on the fighting game circuit, and I think it's because mechanically, uh, Nether Realm has has they've almost perfected their craft 
and it's it it's only going one way from here, and I'm looking forward to it. I do uh, really like the fighting in Mortal Kombat 11, and that's the end of the nice things I have to say. <laughs> that's fine. That's fine. More next episode. But for right now... Um, that's a tease. But for now, I have Mirror's Edge Catalyst on here. This isn't a sequel. It's supposed to be like a reboot, which is weird because they've only had two games. I really didn't like the first Mirror's Edge for various reasons. Uh, least of all, I felt it was very restrictive. Catalyst is open. It feels so wide. It's a linear game. You know, you go from point A to point B in your first person parkour. But it is one of the rare games where I don't want to fast travel anywhere. I want to go on my own no matter how long it takes because it is like the best looking game just uh, the best looking game I've ever seen in terms of like landscape. That's what I was looking for. The landscape when you look out over this giant city of I don't remember what this city is actually called, but if you look over the city, it is so good looking. I just want to look at it and run through it. And the mechanics are solid. Uh, I don't like the story or the characters, but it is so much fun to play that freedom. I really like parkour in real life. So getting to actually do some of that stuff is just, it's the power fantasy I really want from a lot of video games. And Mirror's Edge Catalyst absolutely delivers that. Yeah, it's uh, got an amazing skyline from what I've seen. Uh, I've never played Mirror's Edge, Catalyst, or the other one. Uh, I have this <laughs> I have this weird self-bet going on with myself. Uh, like, when I'll finally cave in and, and buy it. Because it goes on sale constantly. And it's like, but it's just, it's always one of those, like, that's not quite low enough. And then, like, a couple months ago, I was looking, and it was on sale for, like, $5. And I looked at it for a second. I was like, no, nah, I don't think I'll buy it. <laughs> One of these days I will, but. I highly recommend it because it is just fun to play. It's first person parkour is awesome. Okay, that's all I need in my game. There you well, go. But not all I need, but. What do you need? What do you need next? I need to talk about the superhero game on my list. And that oh. is Spider-Man. And this was another PlayStation exclusive. It's just called Marvel's Spider-Man. It is, yes. And it's totally not connected to the movie Spider-Man, uh, any of them. And uh, I think it's better off for it, uh, personally. Uh, but this was a... Talk about feeling like a superhero in a game, especially a specific superhero. Um, it's one of those... One of, it's like Mirror's Edge for you. It's a game where I didn't want to fast travel anywhere just be just so I could just swing... Just mm. web swing everywhere I went. That was so much fun. That was one it, of the it feels great. Yeah, it's uh, a lot of people were worried that they weren't going to match the feeling of Spider Man Two, which I never played. But apparently, the web sling in that game felt very, very, very good in that game. And to uh, to, I, to make people some people upset, that's one of those things that I've explained. I don't think I've actually talked about on the show before. Sometimes stuff from our youth gets bigger the further we get away from it rather than smaller. We remember it as this larger, grander thing than it really was. And I think that's the truth from Spider-Man 2. I really like Spider-Man 2. It was on the GameCube, people. We've moved past the GameCube. Yeah, I, I, um, I never, like I said, I never played it. Uh, but I do agree with them, with a lot of people that said that they needed to nail the web-slinging in this game. And I think they did. I think they knocked it out of the park. And the fighting is uh, it takes inspiration from the Batman Arkham series, 
uh, has that same kind of flow, but it has a very Spider-Man flair to it. It is so uh, much faster. Yeah, it is very fast. Uh, instead of he doesn't, Spider-Man doesn't block or parry attacks like Batman does. He just dodges them. He he, you 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 look and you feel like you're Spider-Man, like you're using your agility to beat your opponents and then throwing the occasional gadgets. And I think I think they I think they really did a good job on that as well. It was um I love I just just love beating up thugs and just webbing them to the wall. That always felt great. Uh story was really good. I really enjoyed the story and uh, I was afraid that I would uh have to be more familiar with the Spider Man universe and the comics to appreciate This is it. another I'm sorry for interrupting, but this is another one that you get an emotional connection from in a very strange place at the end of this game. I don't want to spoil it, but near the end of this game, you like you feel for a character you don't think you would feel for. Yeah, no, it had uh, several twists in it, and I think they all hit the right notes. And yeah, and the in it the characters were great, the developments were great, uh, the voice acting was phenomenal. I think they hit they. Uh, hired a lot of professional, a lot of well-known actors and actresses in this. And I think they all did an excellent job with their characters. And, uh, I think New York was a lot of fun to sling around too. I know it's, uh, you know, it's, quite been, a few, in a, it's been in a hundred games. Yes. Yeah. It's uh, quite a few games have been set in New York, but, um, uh, exploring it as Spider-Man is always a treat. And I loved it. Uh, it was our default game of the year last year because it's 20, 18 wasn't a great year. Yeah, uh, it, it 2018 had uh, some high peaks, but uh, some pretty low valleys too, unfortunately. Well, you, you've got two coming up, but I don't have those two coming up that you do. What I have coming up is not my, the most controversial I have on this list, but I think a controversial entry. Watch Dogs, uh, the first one. The second one really builds up on the mechanics that the first one created and but I don't like the story as much. I think the first Watch Dogs has such a darker, more adult, gritty tone that I think works better with the mechanics. Then two, two is kind of highfalutin. The first Watch Dogs is set in Chicago, which you never see in video games. It's almost always at night. You're dealing with scummy, shitty people, and you're kind of a scummy, shitty person yourself, which I know a lot of people don't like. But I think it had good character art. It had gameplay I'd never seen before. Uh, this is one of those rare games that my brother also really loved. Not my brother from last from last episode, my other brother, Nick, from a long time ago. He also really loved this game. And we never agree on anything, so that's how you know it was good. Yeah, I uh, I, I played Watch Dogs myself. I really enjoyed it. Uh, never got the chance to play two, so... Um, or I guess I did, but I just never have... <laughs> you haven't played it, um, yes. But... I did enjoy Watch Dogs. I wasn't a fan of the main character Aiden, um, just from his just overall grumpy attitude. He's a his, sad sack. And his <laughs> stupid, stupid little modern day cloak thing he's going for. I don't. I don't even know. I still don't even know what he's wearing. Someone once said he's a wannabe Batman, and I understand that sentiment entirely. Uh, yeah, he he he, he kind of is because he just um, while there was some interesting arcs going around him. He didn't really seem to care about anything that was happening. Um, 
That was a fault of a performance, I think, more than character. The yeah. guy doing the VA wasn't good. I'm sorry. Yeah, I think I think you're right about that. He kind of seemed to phone it in. It was kind of flat in a lot of areas. Um, but uh, I just really liked messing messing with the world with my phone and uh, hacking into computer systems. I thought that was really a lot of fun. I think they uh, made a lot of made a lot of creative ways to achieve your, you know, achieve your objectives in the game and, uh, get into, get into a new area or distract enemies. You know, it's not just picking up a rock and throwing it. And so they walk over sure. there, you know, it's, uh, messing with some lights or, uh, something that makes sound. And that was, it was, it was, it was interesting. It was unique. Made that, it made the game stand out. All right. Okay. All right. Uh, next on my list is a, uh, it is a old franchise from the PS2 era, but this is actually a prequel that they made. So I don't, I don't feel like I'm cheating like I did with RE2. Uh, Yakuza Zero, and this was my uh, first dip into the Yakuza waters. Uh, and I had heard of the franchise, I just never played. It's been going. It's this. been going on literally since PlayStation Two. Yeah, they're in. They're in their eighth game. It's very, very old, but it's it's got a resurgence of from a lot of these remasters and ports into into the West. And now you know people over here have playing these games and really liking them. And it's 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 gotten a second life, and I think it deserves it because uh, Yakuza is a it's a it's a really fun it's a fun franchise yes. at least the games i've played i've played the first two uh but zero i think zero is still the best uh it has some of the best some of my favorite characters i've played in recent video games a game with two main characters and i both love them you know it feels <laughs> like it feels like two friends and i can't decide which one i like more because i like them for different reasons um it has a it has a really good story. It gets it's gets kind of bogged down, I think, a lot of times, uh, and a lot of there's a lot of side stuff going on. A lot of exposition, maybe sometimes a little too much uh, telling, not showing. But I think that's I don't know. I, I I hate to make generalizations, but I think that's sort of a style uh, more seen in Japanese games. Mm-hmm. And whatnot, I'm no expert, but there's and there's a, there are a lot of side quests, and they're all the side quests are great for the most part. They're all very memorable, have unique wacky people that you meet, and helping you know helping them out with just ridiculous tasks and whatnot. And it it's it's only it's only set in two cities, but they're extremely dense. There's a lot to see, a lot to do, a lot of fun mini games to play. And it's, I just, I never felt bored with the game and it, it got me interested in Yakuza and I've been yeah likewise know, playing them. I've, I've been playing them since and I'm liking each one, which is amazing because they're all set in the same cities and, but there's just always something, there's always new characters and new sub stories that make it really fresh with each entry. And I think Zero is I think it's a, a great starting point for anybody who's interested in the franchise. It's it's too dismissive to just call it Japanese Grand Theft Auto, but that's the closest analogy I can come up with. It's nothing like Grand Theft Auto, but that's 
you know, what else can you possibly compare it to? There aren't any other games like it. Yeah, it has a, um, it, it, it's not quite, it, it's not quite a, a parody of certain, you know, stereotypes or, you know, social movements or what have you, like, you know, like Grand Theft Auto likes to do, but, uh, it, 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 but it has heart too. It, it, yes. It has a, has a lot of, um, emotional depth. Yeah. Really, really, really tender moments. And it, it doesn't, cause these guys like in GTA, every character you play is a scumbag, you know, yes. it's just, they're, they're bad people. They're criminals and they, they just are shitty human beings, but the characters in Yakuza, it's, it, I always say they're like the worst criminals of all time because I don't think they actually commit any crimes that I can that I can think of on, off the top. Not of my really. Head any no, of these really. games, they're always just like going around beating, you know, just you know, beating up street thugs and just helping people get their cats out of their trees or whatever. But kind of, yeah, yeah. It's a it's a lot of fun. I've really enjoyed it. I fully agree. Uh, next for me is the only other indie game I've got on here. Oxen Free. I only played this one last year, but it's one of those games that I wish I had played when it came out because it, I was not expecting a hell of a lot from it. It was during my, what I'll talk about next episode, my platinum hunt for the last year over PlayStation. But uh, I got it because it was cheap and it looked like an easy platinum. But then actually paying it, it, playing it, it completely blew my mind out of, and even my emotions uh, beyond all expectations. I don't want to spoil too much of it because I think everyone should play it because it's that good. But it's, it has a little bit of time travel and a little bit of spirituality and a lot of friendship creating and friendship destroying. It's very similar to another game I'll talk about later, but in a, a much more simplistic and yet sharper fashion. The dialogue in this is so sharp and so well-written and so quick-witted. And it is one of those rare games, again, rare games that gives you dialogue trees where there are things that I actually would say. And there are times I found myself playing, I played through like four times and it's maybe five hours long, maybe. I just kept playing it over and over. I was like, man, that was great. I want to do it again, but in a slightly different way. And there are times where in dialogue, there was something I would want the main character Alex to say, but I would feel terrible saying it myself. Or there are times where there would be like, oh, I would definitely respond this way. But I don't want Alex to say that. I want her to say this instead. It's never, ever, hardly ever happened. Like, it'll happen with one, literally one other game on this list uh, for me. So when, you, when you've when managed to blow my mind with the story, and I don't want to sound weird like this, touch my heart with this, the emotional maturity that it manages to have, uh, that's a, a great all-time game. Oxen free. Oh, that's... That... That warms my heart to hear you say that. You, you should absolutely play this. It makes me want to play it. Actually, just hearing your because you're you're not an emotional guy. We've talked. About I am this, not. But uh, every there's time you literally talk... again for the rest of the list, you're going to hear me. There are only two other games, and I'll read a bunch that touched me and that made me feel stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just yeah, hearing just hearing the emotion in your voice yeah yes makes me think wow this is uh this is this game's different it's a really all-time great of this console generation certainly well this um this is my next on my list is 
I I've already lost track. I think the only multiplayer game I have, but uh, <laughs> it, it uh, came out a few years ago called Overwatch. And oh yeah, I remember that game. Oh yes, yeah, little known game, Overwatch. Um, I man, I it, this I've talked about this before, but this might be the only game only multiplayer game I've played where I just I I loved it so much I didn't mind just playing with random people that I didn't know because you and Rob played this game but it it didn't really resonate with you quite the way it, it did with me and I think the reason why it, uh meant so much to me is because I it just it it felt so different from the other multiplayer games you know out there the Call of Duties uh, and the Battlefields is... Yeah, yeah, and those... To me, those got very stale. Uh, especially since... You know, we used to have a big group we played with. Uh, a bunch of friends that we used to play with. Uh, Call of Duty and whatnot. And man, those were... Some of the most fun times I ever had in a video game. But I, I realized that 99% of the reason I had fun with those games is because they were... I was playing with my friends and we were having such a blast... Overwatch was just such a blast to play with, and it had uh, unique characters. It was basically almost like a first-person MOBA game, um, where it had all these unique characters with unique skills and uh, health bars and armor. Some had shields, and had these. It had your typical King of the Hill uh, capture points. All these uh, typical multiplayer game types. And but with all these with the all the unique characters and vastly differing characters, mm-hmm. it opened up it opens up to all these different paradigms and uh, synergy you could use. You know, if you had if you you were playing as one character and this you know other player was playing as somebody else, and uh, you could you know use your you know almost like use your abilities to to uh, support each other, support and enhance, enhance and uh, get the edge on your teammate. It was, uh, it was a, it, it was a ton of fun. And uh, graphically, I like the art style. Uh, I love the, de- I love the design of the characters. They all look amazing and they're very well done. Have a lot of personality, uh, each and every one of them. And I played, I, I, Last I logged in, I think I played 350 hours of this game, <laughs> and that's mostly by myself. And I'm probably considered something of a only a little bit more than a casual because I I don't play it as much as I used to. Uh, but for about a year and a half, I was playing it pretty regularly, and I know that pissed you and Rob off quite a bit. It, it my biggest negative with Overwatch. I agree, it is a great game. It is it does deserve to be in the the greatest generation, so to speak. My, my gripe is that they kept messing with it. It's like, there always needed to be something wrong so we could fix it. Yeah, it, it's... If the It seemed like the Blizzard... The Overwatch support team was very reactive to what probably, in the grand scheme of things... Squeaky was like, wheel, yeah. Yeah, a very small minority of the fan base complaining about this hero's abilities, this, this, the damage this hero does. I want, you know, he should do, she should do more healing. He should do more damage, whatever. 
Um, you know, there was a lot of tweaks and every time in Blizzard, frankly speaking, they're not the best at balancing, balancing their games. Um, because their strategy a lot of the times is if they think one character is too strong, well, they will take, they will strip that character down to, you know, it's, you know, brass or whatever. And just, and then if there's another character that needs buffing, they will just pile every single advantage on that character. And it's just, it, you know, you it just, you're just trading one extreme for the other, but, mm-hmm. um, balancing issues aside, I think the core game, I think, uh, I loved everything about it. Characters, abilities, maps, maps were great. Graphics, art style, all, all that stuff was, I, I, it, it's such a it, Blizzard makes such unique games. I mean, they're so great. Um, maybe not, maybe not like genre wise. Maybe not the most you know unique, but they always, they always are so good at creating these believable and interesting worlds full of uh, full of great lore and characters that uh, you can't help but be invested in, and it's uh, a lot of fun. Let me let me tell you a very quick story about Overwatch. Uh, you didn't play it at launch. Uh, I did, and not only did I play it on, at launch, uh, I got the disc on PlayStation 4, but I was, as you'll, I'll talk about later with another game, I was impatient, so I bought it digitally on Xbox One so I could play it the night it actually did come out. So there was a time I was playing this game on both consoles. I did not know that. I know you uh, played it sooner than I did, but not on yes. both. Mm-hmm. Oh, that was fun. So I did absolutely like. I had a falling out with Overwatch, certainly, but I did absolutely like it for a very long time, and I, I agree with your placement on the list. Well, I'm glad. Uh, next, I've got Hitman. I'm just gonna call it a reboot because I've gone back and forth with Rob on this and whether or not it is an actual sequel or prequel to Hitman Absolution, and my theory is that it's impossible because of the things they do in the story. Anyways, the Hitman reboot from a couple years ago from IO Software. They just stripped it down to the barest of bones the story is almost inconsequential what you have as a, a man who was hired to kill these other people and you were given this huge gigantic grandiose locations in exotic places all over the world and before every mission you can select the kind of tools and the kind of weapons and where you'd like to start and from there it is entirely up to you you can go through a guided mission where it tells you point to point go here go here put this this guy's on or you can figure it all all yourself or you can go in there guns blazing and kill literally every single person. It is not a game that forces constraint into you, nor is it a game that expects you to play a certain way. It is better, it is always better, to be sneaky and stealthy, but you don't have to be. It is pure freedom in completing your objective. It's much more of a puzzle game than any sort of action-adventure game. Yeah, definitely, it seems like the kind of game where it's 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 like the matrix where all these rows and rows and rows of weapons appear <laughs> and the game says okay here are your tools that's the target get to work and then you can either pick the assault rifle or like a banana or something yeah, yeah. i have i it, it's been on my dashboard my playstation <laughs> dashboard for a long time now i need to play it i i haven't gotten around to it but it definitely, it, it's one of the, I know it must be good because it's one of the few games you and Rob seem to agree yes, on. Yes, we are both very high on Hitman. Yeah, so I it's it definitely on my to-do list. 
or to play with. For the rest of these, I have seven. I'm just spoiling ahead. Seven left. Uh, you played. You played. You played. You played. You paid. Okay, good. So there's only two you didn't. So there you go. Yeah, and I have eight, and I'm pretty sure you've played them all. Actually, go ahead. What? Hit, hit, hit me. Hit me. What's it? Uh, the next one is uh, a was kind of a diamond in the rough, at least for me. Uh, Dying Light. Oh yeah. And this this game kind of came out. I want to say towards when you know when the zombie craze was waning. Mm-hmm. Uh, it wasn't, it seemed like the early aughts was when it, you know, kind of hit its apex, the, the zombie, uh, frenzy, whatever. Uh, this came out, I believe 2014, something like that. 2013. Uh, no research. Uh, yeah. I mean, why, why change things now? <laughs> um, but this game was so much fun. It was, yes. it was so so different. There've been there have been first person zombie games before. Uh but none that felt so satisfying whenever you killed a zombie. It, yes. This game had amazing melee combat in it. And it it felt so he- every hit felt so heavy, so impactful. Um and it actually made me fall in love with first person parkour because the yeah parkour, that's the thing man i tell you parkour <laughs> yeah the first person parkour in this game is outstanding uh i'm sure it's not as arcadey or over the top as mirror's edges but it uh it felt so great just jumping rooftop to rooftop usually being chased by zombies um and this the 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 city you're in, which I think is, uh, I can't remember the name of it. it seems like a, it was like a Middle Eastern. It's supposed to be Turkey, I think, in that area. Yeah, it's kind of a fix. It's kind of a, I think it's a fictional. I don't know. Again, no research. Um, it felt it, it. It felt very, very rundown, very dilapidated. It felt like you know, it felt like one big shanty that you were kind of uh, exploring because it. it you know, you could tell that, oh, wow, this, this city is overrun with these zombies, and you are always having to run in this game. And you're, like, you always, you, you have to choose your fights, pretty much, at the at the very beginning, at least. And then when you, later on in the game, when you get uh, much more versatile and deadly arsenal, only then you can start taking on the bigger, badder enemies and the bigger wh- hordes and whatnot. Um and it's also one of the few zombie games where nighttime is uh, not a time you want to be out, and because yeah. it is very dark uh, if you're using the de- default brightness. They practically changed the mechanics for day to night. Yeah, it's uh, it like you can hear every every single zombie screeching and moaning, and they feel like they're right on top of you uh, at, when it's nighttime, and it gives that it, it it gives that adrenaline rush of uh, claustrophobia and just and just fear and anxiety whenever mm. you're out like they don't want they you can tell the game does not want you to feel comfortable at night and I think they do an excellent job of pulling that off and it was just it was it was 
it was a big surprise this game. Yeah, and, and, and I, I really liked the characters and had a good story too. Yeah, it it it, it kind of did. It, that that was also a surprise. It, it was it was it was one of those games like, you know, there's always seems like you get you games you mark your calendar for, and you know there's you know a, a good percent of chance that you're gonna really enjoy that game. Um, most of the time, they're sequels to your favorite long-running franchise or whatnot. Mm-hmm. But uh, games like this are so refreshing that you just kind of, you know, they're... they're uh, it went beyond your expectations. Yeah, yeah, and you don't, you, you know, you didn't hear a lot of buzz around Dying Light as well. And I just kind of picked it up on a sale one day and played it, and I couldn't put it down when I when I, when I played it. It was great. Uh, another game that had big expectations coming in. Uh... Assassin's Creed Origins, where they basically reboot it, and it's like a sauce reboot of the franchise, in that the other games still happen in continuity. They took it back to as early as they've ever been. I know they had a sequel that went earlier, but they completely changed all the mechanics. It does not play like any previous Assassin's Creed game. It has a much better main character than they've had since Black Flag, like uh, in terms of emotional depth and you really care about the journey that your main character Bayek is going on. Uh, it does have a, a lock-on, you know, combat system, heavy attack, light attack, use a shield. Uh, you equip different armors, and you, you go over the whole, basically the whole of Egypt and North Africa um, in the Ptolemaic dynasty, if you in time of Cleopatra, if you don't know what that is. And there's kind of some, you know. Assassin's Creed has always had that problem that even uh, Odyssey, the game after that, has where they just spend too much time on an ancient race instead of the player, the character you're playing, or far off in the future in the quote-unquote modern day. But Origins manages to keep that to a minimum so that most of what, I say like 95% of what you're doing is playing in ancient Egypt. And uh, I think is the best, in all honesty, I love Black Flag, but I think Origins manages to be the best Assassin's Creed game we've ever had. Yeah, it's a definitely one of the most beautiful looking games I've seen. Like, uh, usually it's it's hard to nail desert of environments in a video game and, and make it look beautiful. But I think they really, I think they do an excellent job of really capturing the time period in that game. Um, I think it's something I, like it's like. Uh, I'm, I'm, I could be wrong here because I don't do research. It's like 30-something B.C., maybe 40-something B.C. Yeah, very, yeah, something, yeah, I'm not sure. I haven't played it. It's on the backlog. <laughs> uh, but it's very ancient, ancient Egypt. And I, 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 I seem to, again, I don't know a whole lot, but it seems like they kind of mix in uh, a lot of mi- mythology in there yes, as well. Your, your main character is a firm believer in the Egyptian gods. So the things he sees in the game kind of have to be adjusted through that lens. Like he self-justifies a lot of things like, oh, the gods did this sort of stuff. And you're like, yeah, okay, I'm all, I'm all right with that. Yeah, he stabs a guy in the heart and like, why would the gods do this? <laughs> wow. 
Oh, no. what, what a what a reference. <laughs> yeah, you didn't think you'd hear a uh, what's what what's Eric, Eric Andre show? Yeah, that's right. DL Hughley or whoever. <laughs> Not DL Hughley. Sorry. Hannibal Hannibal Burris. I have no <laughs> idea where you're coming up with this. Yeah, I don't know. Edit that out. All right, here <laughs> you have six left. Um, I have seven actually. Okay, go ahead. Um, but I'll try to make some of these real short. Uh, next on the list is Devil May Cry 5, which will also be on the next podcast, the best of 2019. Um, long, big time, long time fan of Devil May Cry. Played the very first one, loved it. Played the second one, didn't love it so much. <laughs> Third one, I think, was the pinnacle. Fourth was good, and I think five might be up there with three. It is fantastic. It is might be, I, I don't want to sound too super, superfluous or uh, not superfluous, hyperbolic. Sure. Um, in saying that it might be the best action game I've ever played uh, from a just, just total mechanic standpoint. And there's a game still left on this lift that in God of War that is up there, but I think Devil May Cry 5 is just so tight that the action is... It's pure. It's pure fun. There's so little fat in this game. Yeah, it's exactly right. They they, it is all steak. Very little. Very little sizzle. It is. Um, and they go back to the roots because they had the they had the DMC game, which mm-hmm. still had still had Dante, Virgil, a lot of the same old faces, but they tried a new look. A different studio made it. Yeah, different studio. Ninja Theory did, and they did a good job with it. I enjoyed it. I didn't. Again, I, I yeah, I didn't like the look of New Dante, but I was kind of like, hey, it's a good game in its own right. But they went back to old, the roots, old Dante, old white, white hair, red trench coat, just, just badass. You know, devil may care attitude, just making you know quips left and right as he's killing enemies and you play as him and two other characters and which did worry me when this game, when I first heard that you're playing three playable characters in this game, I was like, okay, there's just, there's no way they're all going to feel unique and different from each other, but damn it. They sure do. They all feel, they all feel great in their own regard and own aspect. And there's so much fun in all, all different ways. One of my big gripes in four is that Virgil, uh, not Virgil, Nero felt very limited and he felt kind of like a poor man's Dante, but uh, he comes in his own in this game. And there were times where I just, I just wanted to keep playing as Nero. He's just that <laughs> much fun. And then I would switch to another character and I, I would remember why I love that character too. It's like, oh my gosh, just every character is so fun to play. Uh, and it, this de- this game definitely felt like a love letter to fans because it had all it it had the all star cast from the old Devil May Cry series. Uh, it brings back an old face. No spoilers. Uh, an old face uh, that I just jumped out of my seat when he appeared. I was like, "Yes, oh my <laughs> god!" I don't care. I don't care the bullshit reasoning. They they the for coming back. How he came back. You know. They just. I mean. They just. Story, you know, story is just kind of it's just kind of there so the yeah. hero, heroes it's, can kill it's a things, set you know, piece to get to the next scene where you fight. 
That's right. Yeah, it's it, it it's basically what it is. It's just plot devices after plot devices, just so you go around killing demons, which which is tons of fun. And it, that's exactly what I would say this game was. It was fun, fun, fun all the way through. Uh, you'll absolutely hear more from both of us next time because I also really enjoyed DMC Five. Now for the top six. These are the big ones, and I say top six instead of top five because that's how I wrote my weird list. That's right. Uh, if, if you ever want to start listening to this podcast, start right in this right moment. here. Yes, because these are the games. Really, these aren't games for everybody, but they're I think the six best games of this console generation. First up, Persona Five. This game actually is cross-gen, and it should have come out like in, on the PS3. I think they started development way back then, but it only came out a couple years ago. They're putting what is basically the definitive version out early next year. But uh, in terms of JRPGs, this is as pure as you're going to get in terms of both the story content and the combat and the length. This is a long game. It goes over a period of many months that you basically basically spend day to day on, and you meet a bunch of interesting, fascinating people, who, friends and enemies. Uh, the creatures you can summon and merge together are all unique looking and have varying powers, and you can experiment and mess with stuff. And you can form bonds not with just people in your party, but people out in the street, people you barely know, people your coworkers and teachers and friends who can become lovers and you know, just some guy, literally some guy out on the street yelling at you. You can become friends with him. And in making that friendship, create a, a bond that you use to create a, a monster, basically, to fight other horrible monsters. Um, I can't actually say it's my favorite Persona game, because I think I like four more, but only because I spent more time with it. I did manage 100% Persona 5, and I think it took me maybe 80 hours or something like that. Um, yeah, this Persona Five is my first is my my first uh, dip into the P- Persona game franchise, and um, but luckily it's it's like Dragon Quest or Final Fantasy where none of the games are really connected. It, uh, besides uh, the the fighting, the, the the monsters, the personas that you create, and man, this game is so cool. Just like <laughs> everything about it, the music. The art style, the graphics, the menus, just... the menus in this are so cool. Yes, yeah, the like the the experience, the after battle screen experience screen is just oozing with style, and it's just. I mean, the artists in this game. I mean, they. I mean, you got to tip your cap to them. They're just they they did an astounding job with this game and made you feel like this cool rogue cat burglar. <laughs> and you know you're going around these virtual palaces stealing hearts or whatever and yeah it was in i i really in i love the turn-based combat too i'm always a sucker for that uh playing old school uh japanese games but uh rpgs but the persona system does add a really really cool twist uh as a new time fan i was you know not accustomed to but i really i it, it was like it was like Pokemon, but with like biblical figures, you know. Um, it was, there's, it was, there's a lot of metaphor and uh, nuance in it. I think that can be lost on someone who doesn't do a little bit of tiny research. And some of it is just, it is by Japan for Japan. There is so much Japanese in this game. 
that it may be hard for a lot of Western gamers to grasp. And there's no getting over that. You just have to understand this is where the game takes place. Yeah, no, that and they definitely favor a lot of the the, the Japanese uh, gods and deities and mythological fi- figures too. But there, they, uh, it seems like almost every religion or philosophy gets their gets representation in this game uh, <laughs> with all the figures you can craft into personas and just go out and yeah, just kill teddy bears for you or whatever, you know, whatever you're fighting. Sure. Sure. And, uh, yeah, this, it was, the game was so cool. And the soundtrack. Oh my gosh. I get music is amazing. They yeah, made could... dancing games. They're so good. They made rhythm act dancing games out of these, <laughs> these games. That's how good they are. Yeah. And some of them, they didn't they even, didn't even need a remix. They were just kind of like, okay, here's this song from this RPG. And it's like, oh my gosh. Yeah. You could totally hear hear this in some dance club or whatever. And yeah, yeah I could spend half an hour on the music alone. It was so, it was that great. great. Fantastic game. All right. And uh, the next game on my list is um, actually a, another zombie game. If you believe, if you can believe that. And uh, another uh, surprise for me. And I believe it's another place exclusive. I don't think I saw it anywhere else, but uh, in, until dawn, Okay, okay, hold on. It's not a zombie game. They're Wendigos. Yes, you're exactly right. I forgot. Yeah, uh, shows how much I really love this game. Um, <laughs> but it is a horror game. Yes. And it is, it's like the Order 1886. Extremely cinematic. Some of the best graphics I think I've ever seen. Good face modeling, game. where the the actors look like they're in character faces. Yeah. yeah, it's like I could actually recognize the people in this game like okay i know it's it's this guy from mr roboto or mr robot excuse me or and it's that girl from you know whatever movie i you know couldn't place their names but i just sure, sure. recognize people it's so they look so detailed and um it's a horror game and it's def and it's um kind of a it, it's a parody of the old cheesy slasher flicks uh which is a, a big guilty pleasure of mine i will admit i i do love the the screams, the Halloweens, all those kind of movies kind of have a soft spot in my heart for them. So this 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 game struck a lot of a lot of the right chords in that regard, and it was a legitimately spooky game in a lot of time. And it was it it, um, it 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 got pretty got pretty gruesome in some parts too. It has a good sense of tone, like there's a little bit of humor, but they don't go too overboard with it. Yes, yeah, it's, there's, a, there's a, it, a big feeling of dread throughout the game like the more and more you play it the more dread you feel for these characters because uh you haven't hit this yet if you don't do certain things in the game they don't all make it yeah no it's um it is actually one of the few games where yeah choices and um and mistakes actually do matter in this game and will cost you the lives of these characters and usually in very gruesome fashion and I think the first playthrough I I think I played, uh, I think I lost a couple of characters. Uh, they didn't all make it just from choices I made or just mistakes I made. Uh, I wasn't. It had a feature in the game where, uh, when your character was hiding, usually from a monster or a shadowy figure, you had to hold the controller completely still. And uh, I wasn't a fan of that because I would. I didn't like on, that either. <laughs> I would put it on my leg, and my shorts would slightly rustle, and it would move and i'd be dead most of the time so yeah that's not great but otherwise wasn't a fan of that but 
uh, extremely cinematic game. It had, like you said, it 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 struck a good balance between uh, the horror and the f- feeling of dread from uh, running from these monsters, and also humor, and because it has like those old slasher fig- flicks, it has some of the cheesiest dialogue you've ever heard, <laughs> and just a lot of these and characters. All the are characters are just star- they're just sarcastic assholes. All yes, of them. yeah, and they're most of them are you know stereotypes to the nth degree because you know you got the jock you got the cheerleader you got the prissy prom you know rich girl or whatever you got the nerdy girl or whatnot um but it 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 was fun it was enjoyable to watch some of these characters come out of their shells when they're interacting with you know other other characters that that you know they did that they don't talk to at school or whatever and they're going through these harrowing situations and uh, growing, they actually, you know, there's a, quite a bit of development, and there were some characters that, um, one character, Emily, who I ended up, I hated her guts at the beginning, but by the end of the game, I only hated her a little bit. <laughs> yeah, it, she, she, she's kind of a bitch, but... Uh, there was one character, Josh, who I hated at the beginning, and then really hated at the end. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he went from creep to super creep real fast, but... Uh, it was a it was a lot of fun to play. It was like it was like playing an old cheesy horror flick, and I loved it. Yeah, this is a, a it's, it's dismissive to call it this, but it's a good name. It's a popcorn game. It's a game you, you play while watching popcorn. It's like watching playing a movie. Yeah, yeah, you could. It, it's it's one of those games. Uh, you could actually watch the YouTube video. Yeah, and yeah. I, I I wouldn't. You know, like I say, you would you wouldn't miss anything. You would miss some stuff, but uh, I think you can. I think you can enjoy it. Uh, if we're missing any audio then this part will sound weird in transition if we're not missing any audio then I cut this sentence out Uh, my next game is Life is Strange this is like the deepest emotional connection I felt with digital characters maybe ever and I know that sounds weird but we're weird here we we play a lot of video games and shit gets weird sometimes Mm mm-hmm I definitely cried when this was over, uh, which I can say about maybe one other game, which was actually the prequel, with Life is Strange Before the Storm. Uh, it's about 18-year-old girls in high school, yeah, 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 but there's time travel, and there's serious consequence for action and dialogue, and there's adult themes, and some really heady stuff, and stuff about love and loss and just um, how far someone is willing to go to save a friend, to save a loved one, to sacrifice them if necessary, to save uh, a whole city, you know, where one, the needs of one outweigh the needs of of, of the many, so to speak. Um, I love the hell out of this game. It almost made my game of the year the year it came out. It's a hell of a game. It's, it really, it really affected me when I played it. Well, now I'm interested in what that game, what did make your game of the year it's that a, year? It's on this list. Okay, all right. Looking ahead, I like that. With one, yeah. with one exception, the rest of these games are games of the years. Yeah, I, I did not have nearly, nearly the emotional attachment to Life <laughs> Strange as you did. Understandable. Uh, I'm glad you did because I did play it and. Well, I do agree with you that it had uh, 
some good themes and some very serious top, you know, adult grown-up topics that made you, you know, it made you think uh, on certain, you know, like, you know, like motivations for certain people just in, like in their daily lives, you know, like the, the ways they interact with people, the, the things they do for the families, the compromises they may make along the way, um, and the consequences for choices that we make. And, uh, a lot of the, a lot of things you do as Chloe, the uh, not Chloe, uh, Max, the main character, uh, do have has an effect on almost everybody you interact with in this game, and uh, that's probably the extent of the positive I have about that game <laughs> uh, because it did have teenage girls and I know it, I know there were times where the dialogue seemed to be written by teenage girls I know. And their Instagram accounts. This is this is not even the most controversial thing I have coming up. So before we go too hard on this, what, what's your next? Let's just move to the next one. Cause yeah, I don't want, okay. Mostly because I don't want you. I want you to stop talking bad about Chloe. That's what I want. Okay. Well, uh, I'll, I'll <laughs> name a game that you could talk bad about next. Uh, the Witcher Three. Son of a bitch. <laughs> That's right. Pulled the reverse Uno card on you. Um. I think Witcher 3 is fantastic. It's uh, the only game, or excuse me, not it's not the only game. I did play Witcher 2, uh, but I didn't really like the Witcher 2, to be honest. I uh, didn't know anything about the characters or the world or the lore at the time, and I thought it was just kind of, I don't know, the combat was lauded, but I didn't really see anything there. I was just kind of, it was, it was not a lot of fun. And I didn't like any of the characters at the time. But then 3 came out, and it just got so much buzz. And I don't know. I, I, I don't I'm not. I, I don't want to say I want to be, you know, contradictory most of the time or just, you know, you know, not listen to anybody. But it just got so much attention in the in media that I thought, okay, I'll, I'll give this one a chance. Mm-hmm. And I'm glad I did. I really, really, really had a good time with 3. It's... It, I'm not going to say it's my one of my up there with my favorite fantasy worlds, but it was interesting. Uh, I did like a lot of things about the war, you know, about the world when I got into it, and the and all the just the lore, especially from the monsters that you hunt down as Geralt, uh, the the main character, the Witcher, and I loved all the designs for the monsters. They all looked and sounded unique and amazing. Um, combat's not the greatest in the game. It is still an open world game, uh, but it, it gets the job done. It is a like big, long, heavy RPG. Yeah, it's it is very long. It's very dense. There's a lot of things to do. A uh, lot of interesting characters you can meet, and I think it's uh one of the RPGs. One of those RPGs I played where I enjoyed a lot of the side quests more than I did the main quest. Uh, not that the main story isn't bad or anything. I did enjoy that. Uh, but that just kind of, the main story, it seemed like the only, the only reason to, to actually progress in it was to just open up more side quests and more areas to explore yeah, in the game. Much. And 
it's a it's a beautiful game even on the consoles. Um, yeah, it was just, it was it was just great. I'm I'm glad I gave it a chance. I really did. Uh, I've said a lot about The Witcher Three, so let's move on to my next game. Yeah, I think you said a whole pad, podcast worth. I mean, if you no, think I, there's controversy in that last one, this is this is the most controversial on my list easily. Okay. It is Kidding. Metal Gear Solid Five: The Phantom Pain. Oh my god. Now, we don't have time to get into it tonight when we're recording at night at 4 a.m. But you and I are both longtime lovers of the Metal Gear Solid franchise. Oh, yeah. And we both, to varying degrees, really enjoyed Phantom Pain. But mm-hmm. I think yeah. I think I can definitively say, I think I can definitively say that I enjoyed it more than you. It is so perf- near perfect mechanically. It does exactly what you want it to do. If you mm-hmm. have an idea, you are able to implement it. It is, yeah. very, it is very stealth focused. It is slow paced. It takes a long time to get things going. Yes, there's a lot of dialogue. Yes, there's a lot of cutscenes. Yes, there are a lot of stupid character decisions. I understand all of that. But you have to understand, that's what Metal Gear Solid is. It is a franchise based from a weird man, and it's about weird stuff. But when you're actually playing the game, it is astonishingly good. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you on that 100%. Uh, one of fan big fan of the stories or even the villains that were introduced. They didn't, <laughs> weren't very memorable, which is a shame because that was kind of been a, a, a staple of the series. But yeah, this game, previous Metal Gear Solids did a very, very good job of making Snake feel like this badass secret agent who could go into enemy territory, complete his objective, extract a, you know, extract a hostage or, you know, high value target, whatever. But Metal Gear Solid five is the first in the series that made you feel like a one man army mm-hmm. and that you could go like any situation that you go into, you have a tool or an, or a skill to accomplish. Like you said, whatever you set your mind to, mm-hmm. and it is so much fun just to find ways to mess with enemies kill enemies, recruit enemies. It's it's a great uh, game to fuck around in. Yes. Yes, it feels the game feels like a literal sandbox and just uh because to be honest, for me like the the actual world and environments is not all that eye-popping or, you know, you, it's desert yeah, uh, and it's desert and forest jungle. Yeah, it, it it's it's nothing just that really stands out by any means. Um you know, from an aesthetic point of view, but it's a sandbox in that, like you said, yeah, you can just just do go anywhere, do anything, and you just you have so many toys to play with. It's a big it's a big toy box as well. It's great. You're gonna see a theme in these games that I'm I'm going to list out about freedom. This is something I value highly in video games: the mm-hmm. ability to do whatever I think of doing, not what the game thinks of doing. Yeah. Well, that's and that's a part of why the medium was created to begin yeah. with. It's it gives you more, it gives you more influence into these worlds than movies and TV shows do. And that's another podcast for another day. But yeah, Metal Gear Solid Five. I'm glad you put it on the list. It it if it's nut cutting time, it would go on my list for this dinner generation, and not just because it it's the only Metal Gear Solid in this generation. That's not uh, true. 
We're not talking about Survive. All right. Uh, What's your but next? But it is. Game? It is great. My next game is a uh, another cinematic game, probably uh, the one of the most popular cinematic games uh, franchises around. That's Uncharted Four, okay. and this is the last in the uh, Nathan Drake saga, and it, I think they go out they go go out in a bang in this one. It has um, all the characters you know and love from the Uncharted series, uh, including a new one, uh, even a brother of Nate's, uh, which was kind of kind of weird and felt a little shoehorned in, yes, but. But other than that, it was it, it was fantastic. It was just it was uh, it, I, it gets compared to the Indiana Jones series, and it, for good reason because it does feel like you're in that in that world. You're a swashbuckling adventurer, and you're exploring all these ancient civilizations and finding trying to find these treasures. And um, although it was it was disappointing the lack of supernatural elements in the last uncharted, mm-hmm. but it was, it was, it was still, it was still cool. I was still, I was kind of expecting, you know, uh, skeleton zombies or skeleton pirates. But, uh, other than that, it was, it was fantastic. I, 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 I love good. It, it, it. I just want to say normal North does the voice for Nathan Drake and it seems Nolan North does a he does he has done a lot of work in the voice actor. Many of the world. games we've named tonight, in fact. Yes, he, he he if you he's like the Samuel L. Jackson of video games. If you've <laughs> seen a movie or played a video game, he's been in it probably. But this role feels like the one he was made to play. Uh, he just encapsulates Nathan Drake. To a T. I mean, he just he does a fantastic job with the the dialogue, the quips, the humor, just everything. Just makes Drake feel like a real life person, and he's it, it was it was a great uh it was a great curtain call for the for the franchise. I, I do feel it drags it at times, but I, I do agree it is the best Uncharted game. Um, and it does wrap up the series nicely. I know there's a spinoff sequel, sort of, but. That's for another day. That's probably the last Rob representation you're going to get here, so enjoy it, Rob. Oh, no, there's one more for you. I think I have one more, yeah. But next, I have representation for both of us. Deus Ex Mankind Divided. Uh, Deus Ex is a long-running series from, like, early 2000s PC games. Maybe not that soon, but they've been going on a long time. Last generation saw Deus Ex Human Revolution. Uh, which Mankind Divided is a sequel. I played a ton of Human Revolution uh, over two consoles. I'm going to say, like, I played through that entire thing maybe six times all the way through. Uh, I really liked Human Revolution. So when Mankind Divided came out, it is basically a step up. It's a step above. It takes everything I really liked from the last game and just improves on it. The the augments, the powers you get in that are uh, cool to look at and to use. Uh, the variety of ways in which you can accomplish objectives, either through dialogue or combat. Uh, the places you go and the people you meet. I sound like Dr. Seuss here. But <laughs> there's a lot of times where you can set up your character where they never get in fights at all and are never seen. Or you can set up character where they just kill everyone. And then again, it is that kind of freedom that the game allows you. It gives you enough options and doesn't pigeonhole you to say, 
you have to play this stealthy, which honestly was a problem of Human Revolution. You don't have to play Mankind Divided pure stealthy. You can just punch your way through a lot of obstacles, sometimes quite literally. Um, but they, they never force you down any one path. And that's what I really love about Mankind Divided. It does interesting story, fascinating characters. Great to play. It was so great, in fact, once I beat it the first time, I beat it immediately thereafter within 24 hours. I finished the entire game all the way through the very next day. That's how much I loved Mankind Divided. Wow. Yeah, I, I, I played this as well, and I agree with everything you said. I think it's it's one of those games you could play 20 times and just just do everything differently every playthrough. I mean, besides the obvious story beats, but it's just, yeah, just all the, the freedom you have. It's almost too many options, you know? <laughs> it's like, okay, how can, how can a game have this many options like i mean how many ways are there to break into this a bank or some or whatever turns, turns out like six yeah yeah there there is a <laughs> limit but there's yeah when you just when you just add all the options together and all the you know diverging branches that this game takes uh from a gameplay standpoint it's uh yeah it's 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 overwhelming at times and a, I don't know if you noticed in this list, but a recurring theme of mine is jumping into series right in the middle of them <laughs> uh, without any prior knowledge or experience of the uh, previous games. And I did the same here with Mankind Divided. And I, I it was... It's one of those games where it made me go back and want to play the previous games, yeah. uh, at least in the Adam Jensen arc what have you, because I think the other games are like... They're, they're also different from people, yeah. Yeah, and they're set in the future or whatever, but um, yeah, and I love I love Adam Jensen uh, as a character. He's just, he, he's kind of I don't know, he's kind of generic grizzled cop you know what? stereotype. Here's, here's a good, I don't know if this is good, but I just thought of it right now. He's a better Aiden Pierce. Yeah, yeah, he really is. He really is. Um, just from his voice and just his design, I love his just badass bionic arms. <laughs> I mean, they just they look they look fantastic. And this is the cyberpunk game to end all cyberpunk games. Don't pretend otherwise. Yeah, and I really, uh, it's it, uh, I really love the the gold and black aesthetic mm-hmm. in a lot of the environments. And uh, UI in this game, whatever. I, it was more prevalent in Human Revolution, um, and it was kind of more subdued in this game. But yeah, it, uh, it 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 definitely nails that cyberpunk feel. And I loved, and it was another game set in a, a not really popular city of Prague, uh, and it was it was a lot of fun exploring that. And story is interesting too. I I just I. I even though I hadn't played the previous game, I I instantly loved the world and the and the characters in it. It it, it. it it takes an interesting step in where the augmented people, which are the people with all the robot parts, are like second class citizens. Even mm-hmm. you, you know, you work for a kind of police force, you're still looked down by everyone who has all steel human parts. Yeah, yeah, which uh, seems seems funny since you could you know snap their neck with your metal arms wow. in a second, but uh, 
it also did a this game it also did a very good job of setting up the world for people who hadn't played the previous game because I think that was something they were anticipating uh, through the developing process. And I feel like I got a good summary summary of the of Human Revolution. In fact, there's I think they're like there's like an eight or nine minute video su- uh, summarizing the, the yes. previous game. Uh, but even even during Mankind Divided, it did a good job of recapping those events and then showing you the fallout of the consequent, you know, uh, the actions you took in the first game, the consequences, what have you. So, and it was just overall great game. Love it, love it, love it. Um, next on the list is a uh, another favorite franchise of mine, the latest entry, Dragon Age Inquisition. And this isn't the best RPG on this list, but I'm playing favorites because it might be one of my top two or three fantasy worlds of all time. Uh, I love the Dragon Age universe, and this this game did an excellent job of expanding that universe and just adding on to it rare uh rarely if at all detracting from the previous lore and canon and it just it it, it introduced even even better you know like even better characters like I, I every time a bioware game comes out i i think okay how are they going to top the last set of colorful characters and they always seem to in I will say Inquisition kind of cheated in that regard where they brought an old fan favorite from a previous game into this game. Uh, but there's a lot of cameos throughout this because, Hey, it's, it's, it's this whole, it's this whole universe you're in. And one thing they do very well in terms of character, um, Inquisition, especially is all of your side companions have growth. They all end up different from when you first meet them. Mm -hmm. They all through interactions with you and, their uh, reactions to your decisions and things that happen in the world, they end up as different people from where they start. They're not the same people when you first meet them. Yeah, that's a, yeah, that's exactly right. And even characters not in your party, but even just side characters Mm -hmm. will go through development, which I love because my, my, I think what drives the story are the characters. And that's, you know, that's probably, I'm not, saying anything new or revolutionary there. Yeah, no, I get you. Um, but if, if you want me to get engaged into a world, then you got to have the characters to, to really drive it. Because it, I mean, to, it's like having a fancy car. It's like, Oh, it's great. But if you don't have a professional driver, then, you know, was it just, eye candy at that point. Yeah. But I like the combat for the most part. It it's kind of it's it like Final Fantasy 15. It's a little autopilotish e for it my taste. You can you can slow it down quite a bit. Um, but I I think all the spells and abilities are great and useful. That's an, <laughs> another thing. You know, a lot of RPGs you just kind of have like filler abilities. It feels right, like, right. Uh, but uh, a lot of a lot of you know a lot of abilities felt viable. Uh, on their own, and also in conjunction with uh, other your other party's abilities and whatnot. Um, graphically, I think it's good. It's the um, 
the it, they use the frostbite engine, and I think the frostbite does an excellent job of creating uh, very very beautiful environments, but maybe not so much character models. Yeah, I, got, uh, I understand that. The, they're not bad by any means, um, because even though it's in we're in the same generation, it is a five year old game. Mm-hmm. Uh, amazingly came out late 2014 and but i think graphically i think it is i think it is good for the most part and i you know the the story was great had a really really good villain Mm -hmm. um just really memorable like one of the one of the one of the best intro introductions to a villain i i I think i've ever experienced (laughs) in a video game uh he just he just it just set the tone this guy is a big badass. And, and, and more importantly, something I've talked about before, it manages to give you small victories along the way. So you're not constantly beaten back by Corypheus, the main bad guy. He doesn't constantly yeah. get one over. Sometimes you gain ground, sometimes you lose ground. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, now, towards the end of the game, it felt like it, it felt like you know you were you were winning more times than losing, but. Yeah. Uh, I think that's kind of the natural progression in a uh, in a tale like this against a big big bad antagonist. But um, yeah, it was it it was great, and it 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 set up so well for a sequel and for a following game, and it just it made it seem like it was like just had so many oh shit moments at the, <laughs> at the uh, as the game was closing. Like it it, it felt the story. Did a great job of feeling self-contained, but also setting up the universe and future stories and uh, future uh, uh, future installments. And I'm looking forward to seeing what's next in Dragon Absolutely. Age. Absolutely, love Inquisition. I think I like two more personally, but that's for another time. I think oh, Origins is still my my <laughs> top dog for that, but they're they're all great. Yeah, absolutely, all three of them excellent games. Uh. This one might be controversial depending on how you feel about the ending. We've gone back and forth a little bit about this. And you knew, long-time listener, that this was going to be on here. It's Danganronpa 3. Mm. Uh, I think it's what – is it, what is the actual title? I can't remember off the top of my head right now. Uh, uh, Danganronpa Killing V3, Harmony. Killing Harmony, yes. V3, yes. The V is very important, in fact, yeah. as we yes, come it's... to find out. Mm-hmm. I love this series because it is so well-written. Uh, it is ostensibly a visual novel. You you can basically brute force your way through any part of the game where you don't know what to do. Well, you just pick it and you fail. Then next time when you reload, you'll pick the right thing. All the characters are so good. All of the dialogue is so good. The revelations that come out through the end of the story literally blew my mind. Like, literally. I started bleeding from the ears. <laughs> they blew my mind so hard. <laughs> Danganronpa 3 is such a I don't want to say perfect game, but it is such a near-perfect story in terms of what I want from fiction. Not just from video games, from any sort of movie or TV show or book I've ever read. The idea of fiction as character comes through in this game so well. Uh, I'll just spoil it because nobody's going to play this, unfortunately. But to the point where the characters themselves realize that they are fictional. Not that they're video game characters, but realize that they're fictional versions of themselves. That they're not even real people so to speak. Mm-hmm. But without breaking that fourth wall of video gameness, they managed to stick to the, you know, we're a person, but this identity I have isn't me. 
and being able to break through that to the audience, to speak directly to the video game audience without actually saying, this is a video game, you're playing a video game, press X to continue, without actually going there, I think is a genius bit of writing. And perhaps the most genius bit about it is near the end, in the final battle you have to do, which is a rhythm-style game, you're speaking to the fans of the actual franchise, not the video game franchise, but the Danganronpa in-universe franchise. Mm-hmm. And it's just negative comment after negative comment or negative comment. And it's all stuff that a person playing the game would say coming to this ending. They preempt all your complaints to, I think, really surpass the idea of fiction as art. I cannot say enough good things about th- There's a lot of bad in it. There absolutely is. I understand that. But the, the revelation of character fiction and fiction as art it's so hard for me in this game. Uh, I, I can't say enough good things about it. I absolutely love Danganronpa 3. V3, Killing a Harmony. Yes, it's about teenagers. Yes, it's about murder. Yes, a lot of fucking horrible things happen in this game. But it's also really funny. Yeah, no, it... it yeah, it's a, it's, it, it's a almost a sublime balance of humor and horror at the same of, time of and hope and I, despair if I might go so far tell you what it is I know the phrase used a lot but it, it is a literal emotional roller coaster absolutely. throughout absolutely it might it might have my favorite set of characters in the Danganronpa universe you and come, you come that, to hate some but feel terrible that, that they die yeah that is saying something because yes. I love all the characters in every single one of these games and Oh my gosh, the twist at the beginning. I almost I almost threw my controller. I was so mad and just <laughs> it, I felt the game made Betrayed. me feel yeah. despair. Yeah. I mean, it it accomplished it. It's like, "Oh my gosh, I feel actual despair for this game." I think and then the ending. Yeah. where I've had a lot of time to think and I think I initially disliked the ending for the same reason you love the ending because <laughs> it is it is fiction, but it did it it did such a good job of tricking me into thinking like oh these other characters in this in these other games aren't real and you're stupid for loving them and you should feel bad for them dying, but it's like how dare you fictional character tell me these other fictional characters <laughs> are pure fiction. How fucking dare you? It's so good. The very, <laughs> the very last thing the game asks you to do is not press X, is to do nothing. The characters in the game, without, again, it doesn't ever say Danganronpa is a video game. It never does that. In universe, it's a TV show. The very last thing the character says to you in the game is to put down the controller and not play the game. And that's the ending of the game. Mm-hmm. After that, credits roll. It's brilliant sort of metafiction without, you know, Breaking the fourth wall, essentially. Yeah. No, and 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 the ending especially has uh, widely opened up to debate when it first came out, and I went on many forums of you know the people discussing the game, and a lot of people were speculating whether the creator of Danganronpa can't think of his name again. No research. Yeah. Um, 
if he intentionally just pressed the nuclear button on the on the series and the franchise, that takes so much balls, and I would mad respect for him if he actually did that. If they never made another Danganronpa game, and this was the mic drop, good job. Yeah, no, yeah, he uh, he would definitely get respect for me. Uh, he would also get uh, unbridled rage from <laughs> me for not continuing this uh, magnificent franchise. It, which I it, it, it's just so just so I fell in love with the wackiness and the so it's so well written. This is some yeah. of the best writing I've ever played in a game. Yeah, it's in in the whodunits. The you know like yes, it's teenagers. Yes, we love them, but oh my gosh, I want to solve how they died and like who murdered them. Never and, ever in any of these three games and three especially did I ever predict who was going to be killed or predict who the killer was. I had no idea every single time. Yeah, the other games, uh, there were several of them where, yeah, I kind of, I kind of guessed who who did it, but this game, I was clueless uh, going into the into the trials, during the trials, you know, <laughs> it's just like just going back and forth, like it's like, oh man, I don't know who it is, but it's probably that guy, it's probably Oda, I, just because I hate him, yeah. you know, it's it's like the second game where it's like I wanted to pin everything on Nagito, but uh, I knew that wasn't reasonable, but yeah, there was. It, some negative, like uh, like it is so wacky, and you got to take that in consideration. But some of these crimes, it's like, okay, how the fuck do you have time to do any of these things? You yeah, know, there's a lot of setup in some of these murders. Like especially the second one. I know we're probably we're running way too long on this, but like some of them were just kind of like, okay, you got to really suspend belief, and like everybody's i everybody else's IQ besides the killer has to drop down to like ten for these uh for it to be pulled off, but. Yeah, it's it, it, it's a great. It a was lot a great of times game. the game lies to you, and typically I don't like when a game does that. But it's also lying to the characters. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I'm, I'm, so then it balances that. I don't like when like player knowledge outweighs character knowledge. Like when you as a, especially comes up in TV shows and movies, when you as a viewer or a player know something the main character doesn't know, that's kind of irritating. But if they lie to you both, well then that's fine. Yeah, then then yeah, you you both learn. You know when. You both learn uh, secrets when they're revealed, and it's like, oh my gosh, like how do you re- how do you respond to that? But yeah, it's it it's it's a great game. I'm glad it's on your list. Absolutely. <laughs> um, the next game, uh, it might be controversial because I don't think you like this quite as much as me and Rob did. But well, I'll I'll stay silent. I I I will say I know what it is. So I will just say the combat is really fun. Uh, yes, that is God of War. God of War. Uh, 2018 it's a it is a sequel but it also feels kind of like a soft reboot because uh like resident evil 7 it is um not a completely different take but from a perspective point of view it is uh it's instead of the the far away hovering camera of the previous god of wars it is behind the shoulders much more personal uh, take on the God of War series, and it is the best God of War of all time. It is it is in in a, in a series with I think six games. I think this is the sixth one, yes. I believe. Um, and it does it did something besides besides the combat, which is stellar. I could talk about and hours and hours about the combat and just. Just the 
the weapon you have, the Leviathan Axe, is going to be up there in the upper pantheon of all-time great video game weapons, along with the Buster Sword and the Plasma Sword and the Master Sword, you know, what have you. Sure. Whatever you want to put up there, Leviathan's right up there. It is fantastic to use. It feels great. I love everything about the combat. But the story was such a pleasant surprise for me because it goes through the journey of Kratos and his son and it, I couldn't, I can't going into this game. I hated Kratos as a character. Absolutely hate him because he is such an awful person. He is, I mean, he is, he is Walter White on steroids and, you know, like he is just this awful, awful human being in these previous games. He just, always pissed off, always just killing whoever he pleases, whatever he pleases. You know, he just his motivations of the first game were sympathetic, but after that, he's just pissed off to be pissed off. And yes, excited. And I cannot believe a game that is the, the, the sixth in the entry has actually made me turn my opinion around on a character like this game did. I, I just... I, I won't say I absolutely love Kratos and he's one of my favorite fictional characters, but he was so great in this game and just his relationship with his son and how they both grew throughout the journey and how they, you know, learned about each other, their likes, their dislikes. And just, I don't know, just seeing just like little moments, like when they're sharing that, you know, little bit of, you know, wine together, it was just, it was so great. It was so touching and i'm not a huge fan of child characters in medium you know, media in general tv <laughs> games game shows whatever but i like i like the treyas i think i think he was a really one of the most useful companions you know from a game aspect uh he was you know very helpful uh but i think he's he's up there with like ellie and elizabeth with uh really great memorable uh, companions to your main character who are who are useful in combat situations <clears throat> yeah yeah that, that that definitely helps uh and gives them a lot of points um and he is a little shit at times throughout this game <laughs> oh, but boy. that's that's all part of the that's all part of the journey and i think him and kratos come out better in the end and i just i and it this game uh it take goes away from greek Greek mythology and a Norse mythology, which I love, even though I don't really know a whole lot about the stories because every time I read the stories, I just get ice cream headache and it's like, <laughs> Oh my gosh, who, who could have thought of these? But, um, just that Nordic, uh, just that Nord Nordic, Nordic aesthetic about the game. Uh, everything just looks cold, you know, it's <laughs> just dirty yeah. and stuff like that. But, uh, even though I hate those things in real life, I do like playing those in fictional worlds. Um, it was fantastic, and I cannot wait for the sequel. I really cannot. Uh, this is not the time for negativity, so let's just, I'll just move on. I, I fully acknowledge God of War as a great game for the generation. Totally. Mm. Both you and Rob really love that. I think it was both of yours games of the years this last year. Although maybe not for you. Uh, definitely Rob. No, the next game is was my, my, game my last year, game. Last year. My last game, because I miscounted this wrong, so you're ending up with the last spot. Uh, maybe controversial, depending on how willing you are to give into negativity. It's my favorite, my personal favorite game of this entire console generation. It is Fallout 4. 
when I talk about freedom in games, this is the ideal I'm searching for. The point, and yes, there's, you can go point to point. You can do the story. You can seek out NPCs to do shit for. You can travel along with characters and learn more about them. Or you can do what I do and just pick a direction and go. You, the most revelating part for me was actually in the house building when at some point I decided I wanted to remove a house. And I thought with the mechanics from what I had seen of the game is that I would have to remove the houses piece by piece. I apologize for the train in the background if you can hear that. But instead I noticed there's a button to remove the whole thing. And I didn't know that this feature existed up until the point that I pressed that button. <laughs> because that's, just, that's when it became game of the year and game of the, the generation for me. Because it turned a thought I had into an action. They managed to think ahead of me enough to the point where when I wanted to get something done, the people at Bethesda had already thought of it and gave me that option to do it. Mm. What I love in video games that you've seen from my list is absolute total freedom of idea, of movement, of motion, of action. And Fallout 4 hit the pinnacle for me of all of those things I want, I, I love, I need in video games is unfettered freedom. Uh, it's not perfect. There are a lot of glitches. I fully understand. It's a technical nightmare. I get that. I know Bethesda's had a lot of bad press over the last year. I understand. But I love the freedom in Fallout 4 so much. I 100%ed that game on PlayStation and on Xbox. I played the heck out of that game, and I played even more. Despite you know having nothing to do, I'll find something to do. There are side quests I still haven't done. There are characters I still haven't met. There are perks I still have not picked. Despite you know playing what twenty different characters, I have no idea how many I put in this at this point. It hasn't quite surpassed Skyrim levels, but it's got up there. I I love Fallout Four. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's um, like you said, it's not a time for negativity. I'm not going to get into too many things, and I, I definitely and I, and would I put... fully I fully understand the complaints that you had. Absolutely, and I even agree with them. I, I would uh I would definitely have Fallout Four on my generations list. Uh, and a lot of, uh, I think the biggest, I think one of the biggest complaints is also, I think, kind of a dumb one. It's it's because everybody complained that it didn't have the same dialogue choices from previous Fallout games and that a lot of, it felt like it, it was compromising a lot of the RPG elements. Mm-hmm. Uh, but personally, I've, I've always thought, a lot of dialogue choices in those previous Fallout games are arbitrary for the most part, and you're, you know, you're getting to the same place, anyways, regardless, no matter how you go about it. Um, who cares if you're saying yes, sarcastic yes, or angry yes, or whatever, <laughs> whatever the you know meme was on the internet. Um, but I just this was more Fallout for me, and I I love the Fallout future uh, Fallout universe it is my favorite uh post-apocalyptic setting i love i love the you know 30s 40s 50s uh, you know style how just like technology you know everything stops yeah technology advanced but yeah our our cultural aesthetic just you know in style just kind of stopped there and um they expand on that and you know the great the great score, the great soundtrack, great music, um, the 
graphics, I think, were really good. And I will say, um, I think the engine is the creation engine, I believe it's called. It is outdated, but I think they made them, I think they really made the most out of it in this game. Because uh, I do think, personally, I think this game is the, that engine's swan song. It's, I do think it's going to be the last one. But Yeah, they got the uh, most they could out of it. Um, because it's a, it's a solid shooter in and of it you know in and of itself, um, it's a uh, you know one of those things like I don't know if I could go back and play New Vegas because I played four and you know it's such a better shooter and whereas three and New Vegas are kind of garbage uh, even at the time as far as uh, just shooting things yeah uh, they don't feel very good it's, but... it's much more of a roll of the dice RPG yeah and. Uh, I still liked, you know, I still liked the, all the skills and skill trees you did. Uh, I did kind of, part of me did kind of miss the perks, but I, again, I, I think, I don't think the game was restrictive in any way, um, as far as what you could do and who you could interact with and, you know, what tools and weapons you could use, but, and the, I think the story was solid. I think it had a good, I think it had a good twist. I think all the factions had uh, sympathetic motivations and goals, and they're that they're like any good Fallout game. It didn't really have the right answer. It just had different different answers. A lot of ambiguity. Yeah. Yeah. Just it it, it was kind of it was just it was up to your choice. It was up to your player on who to side with and what they, you know, who they wanted to, uh, you know, run the Commonwealth from there on. But overall, yeah, it was a great game. It was more Fallout. I mean, what's not the... <laughs> All right, last one for you. Game of your okay. generation. I, I can't... Yeah. I can't... I'm sorry, what? Oh, yeah, and I was just going to say, um, you were in the middle of playing this game. And... I'm not in the middle. I'm the beginning of playing this game. You are yes, I meant I meant middle in the general sense, but sure, sure. Um, as in you are currently playing this game. But uh, Red Dead Redemption Two is, I think, by definition, a generational game, and that's not just because it's taken Rockstar a generation <laughs> to make the game, uh, but that it is. It's a, it, it is definitely, it's one of those games where just all the detail and work put into this game, it's, it's like Rockstar, you know, EA, Ubisoft, Activision, they're all just spewing out these yearly installments of all these way too long running franchises, and they're all cookie cut. Cookie cutter carbon copies of each other, and then Rockstar just comes in, unzips its pants, and just you know lays his massive dong on the table and says, "This is what we've been doing for the last decade." And they're like, "Oh my gosh, this is just." I mean, it's like it feels childish to even call it a game. It's just like it's just it's it's. Here, here's here's some insight I have from the little I've played of it. How can it go up from here? What, as far as... No, how, how more can video games be than this? How much oh, more yeah, can oh, we yeah, realistically I, I, put in video games? 
I know it's 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 gotten to the point where I'm going to start feeling guilty for killing things in a video <laughs> game, but it's just yeah, like it's it has got to be the best looking game I've ever played for one. Um, it has one of probably my Kratos. Like I said, Kratos wasn't my favorite fictional character. Arthur Morgan might be one of my favorite fictional characters of all time. Hmm. He is up there with John Marston, and I can't believe I was. Before I played two, I can't believe I could be saying that because I love John, but Arthur is just—he's fantastic. I mean, Roger Clark does a phenomenal job. Um, every you know, every actor in this game does a great job with all these characters. They're—it just—it—the interacting with the gang is—it—it it, it was one of the things that surprised me about this game because a lot of. Uh, one of the one of the big things about prequels that's hard to get right is to get you to care about these group of people where you don't you don't they're, know they're exactly not they're, yeah they're not in the next game they're not in the next game which is set in the future so you don't know exactly what their fate is but you can guess it um, but I ended up lo- hate uh, loving or in some characters cases hating uh, <laughs> some of these characters with a passion um and I, you know, I, I loved interacting. The, the missions are fantastic. <laughs> it's just, I mean, it, it it just it takes everything Red Dead Redemption, the first one, did and just amps it up to eleven. It's it's fantastic. It's so good looking, so realistic. The sound design is fantastic from the guns, the birds. It's just it and has I think. I want to say, haven't looked this up, but I think it's probably got the most animal species in a in a video <laughs> game world. It's just like it, it feels like everywhere you walk, there's just some incredible detail that you probably will never ever see. Even if I'm playing this game for another five years, I won't be able to you know like you know see the reflection in a squirrel's eyes or something stupid like like yeah. like just stupid amount of detail. Just like it seems on almost just unnecessary and just overindulgent, but, um, the, uh, one gripe I do have about it is the combat. While I think for the most part, it feels, it is good and it feels satisfactory. It is still a little too reliant on auto aim, which a lot of rockstar games are. Right. Um, it's hard to, if you tweak your controller settings and sensitivities, you can kind of, um, get a a more smoother uh feel to the action but uh it's still it it's it's kind of hard because you're still using for the most part uh single action weapons and or you know you're you know you're not using automatic weapons for the time you know match the time period sure, so sure. it takes place in uh, 1890 or something yeah it's like so precise shooting is kind of it is it, kind of tough without auto aim but um it's it it it's it's fantastic. I can't say enough good things about it. Uh, I didn't play it for a full year, calendar year, for various reasons that I won't go into here, mostly platinum hunting. Um, I've not played more than six hours of it, in all honesty, but I, I am enjoying what I am playing so far. That's good. Yeah, I I, 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 I do think you'll, I think you'll enjoy it. I don't know if Maybe not to the level of me and Rob, because me and him are very, very yeah, high on the game. Really 
both God of War uh, and uh, Red Dead Two or something. You guys are way over the top. Well, I was like over the top, but you're way up there. And I'm yeah. like, eh, shrug. <laughs> they were the, they they were the bright spots for 2018 uh, for the two of us. Uh, that and Spider Man. But this, um, this is this is really you know to wrap sort of wrap this up here. This is really the mm-hmm. peak, right? This is the pinnacle. The the God of War, the Red Dead, like it can't get better than this, right? Yeah. What on PlayStation 5, Xbox 2, can they possibly come up with that surpasses this? I don't know, but I can't wait to see. Yeah. Um, now, there, just... are, there are a lot of games coming out in early next year. You know, the Cyberpunk 2077, Last of Us uh, 2, various other things that are coming out that I'm sure a lot of people have in their game of the year, game of the generation, but this is what we have here. This is what we've played. Yeah, and uh, I, I've read some articles, and I've and I've talked with some friends of mine about, you know, each time a console comes out and it takes that, they take that next big step as far you know as, you know, the obvious one is graphically, uh, you know, how can they enhance these games? How can they make them look better? Um, and I think you know, like you said, Red Dead is almost the pinnacle, but you know, that took almost a decade of work. That's the, that's that, the other that astonishing game. thing is think about how long have you said this comes up around five, six years? Think uh, about 2013. Yeah. It took that long to get stuff like God of War, Witcher three, Red Dead two. Yeah. So now, now that we have that, we're going to suddenly switch over to the next generation. Really? We just got to the good stuff. Mm-hmm. Well, <laughs> that's, and that's nothing new. Uh, it, it seems like, uh, the last few consoles, whenever they come out, it takes them a couple, two, three years to for developers to get used to the the console architect, uh, the specs, and then uh, are able to get the most out of it and get these just high fidelity looking games and uh, able to and then like incorporate, especially in this last generation, motion capture in their video games, uh, not just general, you know, body, arms and legs and what have you, but precise facial recognition is just astounding. And I, it, it's, 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 it's eerie almost to a point. <laughs> just like all the, you know, like just like, I'll just like be playing red dead or God of war or something. And I'll zoom in on, you know, characters face and you just like seeing all the little twitches going on like it's an actual person standing there yeah just like you know oh his eyebrows starting to itch or whatever and you know you can see his face move and it's just yeah it, it is i don't know how they can improve it uh the only thing i can think of is um in regards to open world games uh making these games denser perhaps like, and uh perhaps having more indoor environments in these big big worlds that you can explore so that'd be interesting but um definitely would have to make these consoles a lot more powerful and probably implement a uh, ssd which i think yeah, they're yeah. talking about for the uh, next new playstation and xbox because uh load times are getting pretty 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 out of hand uh for these games <laughs> uh but because they're huge they're gigantic games yeah, no, they 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 are, and their download size. I think Red Dead's 110 gigabytes. Uh, Destiny's up in hundreds. 
Uh, I mean, even like smaller story-driven games like God of War are 40 or 50 gigabytes. Mm -hmm. Um, It's... So I, I... They definitely... They need to up the hard drive space, too. That's another thing they need to work on next generation. And... Overall, I just I just want I still want good stories and good characters mm-hmm. because, like I said, that's and that's a theme, and definitely all, a theme for your for your list, yes. Yeah, and and also that freedom, like you were talking about, just being just being put in a world where you you feel like that character, and like you can you feel like you can do anything in that in that world that 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 character can, the player character can. Uh, I'm going to slightly flip the script here in terms of well, that's not the right phrase I wanted to use, but that's the phrase I thought of. While personally, I think that Fallout 4 is my favorite game of the generation, if I'm being dead honest, the best game of this console generation is probably Witcher 3 Wild Hunt. In terms of what you can expect someone who doesn't play video games to look at and say, okay, what are video games like? I would use something like that probably sooner than I would something like Red Dead. I, I go to Red Dead for, like, graphics, but if I mm-hmm. want to show, like, what we can accomplish with video games in terms of playing them, I'd probably use something like Witcher. Or even God of War, in all honesty. You know, my issues with those games aside, I totally, fully acknowledge that these are great all-time games. These are Hall of Fame games. Yeah, no, they, they, they definitely excel in their respective arenas. Um, yeah, Red Dead with the graphics and the detail, and God of War with the combat, and uh, I, I I can't wait to see how these developers expand on those, and it's it it it, it won't be easy for them, yeah. yet, but I really I I am definitely looking forward to it. I think um and definitely we're in a it seems like we're in a time in video games where a lot of people our age are becoming adults. And, you know, nostalgia is a hell of a thing. <laughs> and a lot of it seems like a, a lot of long dormant franchises are getting new life breathed into them. And that's always exciting to see. Um, just seeing these game, you know, games updated. And while a lot, you know, I only had one remake on this. That's always that's always fun. And plus seeing how old franchise, you know, how they can you know, just sort of revamp and put a fresh spin on these, on some of these long running games and titles. So. so basically what we're saying is death stranding is not the game of the generation. You jackasses. <laughs> uh, I don't, haven't seen anybody saying that. I've seen um, it. I have seen more than one video game website say that death stranding was a game of the generation. Did you play Phantom pain? That's it. You doofuses. <laughs> Norman Reedus peeing on mushrooms. Go fuck yourself. <laughs> yeah, uh, I like freedom in games, but I don't need I don't need that much freedom. What freedom? You're a package delivery man. You're the fucking UPS <laughs> guy. Sorry. Yeah, you're restrict. You're on a time limit. You got to get there within two days. Thirty minutes, or it's free. Yeah, that's right. Or I come free. Uh, yeah, that that's definitely a divisive game, and we there's actually games that came out in the latter half of this year that we did not were able to get to. Uh, I'm they, hoping to, I'm playing, go ahead, go ahead. I was going to say, I'm playing one right now and I'm hoping to play some here in the next coming months. So maybe we can get to them in our next podcast. 
our next show. More than likely, it will be the best of 2019. Maybe. But uh, it might be the worst of 2019, because what I want to talk about is the Platinum Hunt. But not right now. Uh, Thank you for listening to this incredibly long, mostly positive show, which is unusual for me. I know, a lot of positivity. I I like it. Which is why I had to just shit on Death Stranding there at the end, a piece of fuck. (laughs) Uh, Thanks, you. Thanks, you, Stizzies. Well, thanks to you. Uh, for all the games, I mostly agree. I say I agree mm-hmm. like ninety-five percent of the stuff you had. I these yeah. are great games, and everyone should play them. Yeah, no, you can't. I mean, any of the games we listed off, you can't go wrong with any of them. You hear that, Rob? Uh, yeah, man, get out of your Battlefield box already, Jesus. <laughs> yeah, you know what wasn't on either of our list? Any Battlefield or any Call of Duty. Uh, yeah, there's a reason. There's a reason. Thanks for listening, everybody. Goodbye and good night. Good night.